Quest Gaming Network presents Elder Scrolls Off the Record. Everybody, welcome back to Elder Scrolls Off the Record for episode number 62, your second episode this week. Don't you feel special? I know we do. And I am Joe the Widget Wilson. I am joined, as always, by the delectable Eve Arwen. Joe! I'm back. I'm, I'm delectable, apparently, this weekend. Or D-word. Week. Yeah. <laughs> Good to be back, chat room. Glad you're here. Thanks for uh, for coming in today. Have a nice showing in the chat room today. And joining us, as always, is the divine Louis Alon. Thank you, Joe. Hello, Evarwin. Hello, everyone in the chat room. Glad you could join us tonight. And as always, is the delinquent David the Enforced Adams. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one, delinquent. Hey, everybody, welcome back for another wonderful episode. And as always, and joining us, because we kind of missed him last episode, is the double douche Shank the Tank. <laughs> double douche. <laughs> What is up, internet? Um, I I don't know what to say. I'm just gonna say hi. <laughs> you guys, if, if no one's noticed yet, you know, every week Joe's been going down the alphabet and assigning <laughs> us all adjectives that begin with you know the next letter in the alphabet. So next week is E, and that should be interesting. <laughs> we're actually skipping E because I did that in the first one on accident. So oh, we're gonna wow. go right to F. So then we're just going straight. Watch out for that. Yeah, next week should be really interesting then because then we get straight to F. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, use your imagination for that one. All right, yeah. we have some sponsors to get into, Marwin. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for picking up our show again this week. Goes to uh, Tweaked Audio. Tweaked Audio's PB Green and Yellow Edition earbuds with Mike. You know what? No, no, we're not going to talk. You're What's not going to talk about these. What? I am. What? You know why? What happened? I finally got my Tweaked Audio PB Yellow earbuds. And they're amazing. <laughs> That's right. I've been waiting this whole time because they got sent to a Varwin, and then Varwin was like, I'm just going to keep these because I'm more awesome than Dean. Well, guess what? I finally got them. I was holding on to them. They're my tweaked audio yellow earbuds. When Dave glared at Varwin, Varwin had to ship them. <laughs> you know what? I, I finally got them, and they work amazing. I, I used them in my phone while I was stranded in Atlanta. And they did great. They 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 don't get tangled. The, the cable's flat, and it's almost rubberized and really easy to get untangled if they do kind of get knotted up. Even though like they're not supposed to, and I'm like the probably the only person on the face of the earth who can get these things <laughs> knotted up. Well, when you but, tie them in knots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, that's just me. Has you have you used it on your cell phone yet? Does the mic yes. sound good? And- yes, I I actually did use it on my headphone. It has the inline mic. It I talked on it. It worked great. 
I was even in the middle of Atlanta Airport, possibly one of the noisiest, most sardine can filled people, like, place in the world. And people could hear me just fine. I did great. I could hear through the, the ear, earphones, even with crying children right next to me. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it, they worked great. And I was actually very surprised because I've had uh, lots of issues with earbuds in the past. And these ones surprised me. That's for sure. That's that's one thing we never really talk about when it comes to these things. The noise cancellation is, is fantastic. And when I always say, like, you know, optimal sound clarity and quality, like the noise cancellation is great. And it's part of that. Uh, the the gold plated connection, you know, makes a great a great connection from your device to to the uh, the earbuds themselves. So you know everything sounds really crisp and clear. And I mean they're they're no joke. These are you know phenomenal phenomenal set of earbuds. They they really are. Yes. Um, now that I lost myself in the notes, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll let you continue on. Right. So they're 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 14.95 on the site. Um they come with uh, Dave's recommendation. So so that's something you're not going to hear on any other show, that's for sure. <laughs> uh tweakedaudio.com, but you use our code off the record, all right? And we'll drop that price for you from 14.95 down to $9.87. So you're going to save about 5 bucks. Also, don't forget the uh, pink edition earbuds are still on clearance. Okay, they're $14.90 again with the code off the record. We're going to drop that down to $9.83. All right, that comes with the worldwide shipping. You know, they're great customer service. Any any issue whatsoever, just call them up. They'll replace them. Uh, and a lifetime warranty, which is, you know, rolled up into one there. That's that's what I just described, all at tweakedaudio.com. Uh, our show is also brought to you by Guild Launch, website hosting service dedicated to bringing you, your gaming guild, community, or clan, the features it needs to gain that extra edge in gaming. So again, like we like we like to say on the show, uh, if you're if you're a ESO guild leader, perk your ears up on this one, okay? Because you're going to want to get a website to bring your boys together or your ladies together, um, and guild launches is the place to go. All right, why? Well, you're going to enjoy full features such as raid ready tools like DKP Dragon Kill Point uh, tools and even multi game support. You know, for that uh, for that gaming community that that plays it all, and and uh, there's many of you, many of you out there. Uh, in fact, we I think Lou, we met someone who does um who does have a multi gaming guild at the uh, Tamriel Beer Garden, didn't we? Yes, we did. Shout yes, out to uh, shout out to those guys. Uh, also, uh, they're going to have your site looking very very nice on all different kinds of all different kinds of devices, such as such as uh, mobile devices like tablets and uh, smartphones. They have uh, voice chat services for Ventrilo, TeamSpeak, and Mumble, which is fully, fully, fully supported. Uh, you can also build your site for free, or you can take advantage of one of their three monthly base subscriptions starting at $7 a month. It's great for blogs and podcasters, too. They'll give you tons of storage so you can hold all your media content on them. Go check them out, guys. Guildlaunch.com. Guildlaunch.com. And a shout-out to Henry P. all the way from London. He says, please, can a Varwin mention my donation this week? So, Henry, Henry P. from London, you got it, brother. Uh, he would like to remind you, if you are over 21 and on vacation in London, enjoy a Friday and Saturday evening of magic, comedy, and burlesque. Oh, my. Then mosey down to the Wham Bam Club at the Café de Paris in Soho. For more information, 
visit whambamclub.com. Whambamclub.com. Thank you, ma'am. Sure. <laughs> Not sure what we're sponsoring here, but all right. <laughs> <clears throat> Interesting. Indeed. Well, I'm not going to let you stop talking now, because we have a little disclaimer about the direction of the show, I believe. Right. Um, we do. So so it's been it's been noticed that uh, the show seems to be going more towards, towards Elder Scrolls Online than really anything else. Um, and uh, a lot of... A lot of our fans have, have sort of like brought this brought this to our attention, and when we had a chance to to connect to some of our fans over the weekend, uh, it had come up a couple of times, and even the community team had had mentioned it as well. Here's the thing, all right, um, we don't hide anything from you guys, okay? It's it's pretty much all out there. Uh, we we are Elder Scrolls off the record, so what we do is we're we're discussing the latest Elder Scrolls game when. As ESO becomes far more relevant in the Elder Scrolls community than the other single-player games, you're going to see that reflected in the show, and that's exactly what you're what you're seeing. Um, our gameplay is a different story. You know, whatever whatever the hosts are playing is going to be reflected in the show. And even when ESO is out, and I'm spending you know uh, 50 hours a week playing Elder Scrolls Online, um, you're going to hear me every now and again bring up. You know, gee, guys, I got some time in Morrowind, and I got some time in Oblivion, and I got some time in Skyrim, and that's going to happen. Um, but a good portion of the show is absolutely going to go towards Elder Scrolls Online. And when Elder Scrolls Six comes out, we're going to be merging that into the show, too. So we're, we, we will be talking less of Skyrim and um, Oblivion and Morrowind. And the show will be... You know, Elder Scrolls Online and whatever Elder Scrolls Six that single player game uh, is is gonna be. And if there's no information on Elder Scrolls Online, we're gonna be talking about Elder Scrolls Six that that week. And believe me, it's it's gonna happen uh, for MMO players out there. You know that that after a game launches, news is pretty heavy for the first four or five months, and then things just start to become about you know, gee, what's that new patch and. Uh, what's that that new dungeon coming out and you know things start to slow down a little bit so I'd say for about a year we're going to be very 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 heavy year to a year and a half very heavy Elder Scrolls Online and, um, and I can't but, wait for what? to talk all about it <laughs> yeah I mean we're we're having a great time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, you know for, for for those of you out there who came to love our show because of our coverage in Skyrim, there's going to be a lot more to love about the show. Um, but if, if you're the type of listener that just can't reconcile us uh, discussing Elder Scrolls Online, you know, we, we'd, love to, we'd love to keep you, but we understand if we're just not talking about what you want to hear about, you know, we understand, uh, you know, your, your uh, disinterest. That said, um, if you are interested in, in the, uh, the Elder Scrolls community as a whole and what's going on, this is still a phenomenal show. It's still going to be Elder Scrolls, and, um, and we're, we're going to march forward with, with, that, with that in mind. And I think today we're going to even clarify, if you haven't heard episode 61, uh, after today you're going to be even more convinced that Elder Scrolls Online is a very, very true Elder Scrolls game and warrants all the attention that we can give it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so speaking of which, today we are going to go into our actual detail play. But first, before we do that, I'm going to... Should I let Shank go first? 
Oh, Man. I thought we were going to announce our land party at the Wham Bam Club. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, how about we get into our PAX East wrap-up, kind of highlight what happened at PAX East, and go from there. Sounds great. All right. So now so, I'm supposed to direct you, and I didn't, so my bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ivarwin, do that now. Okay! <laughs> Wham Bam Club! Psst, I, can't, I couldn't help it. I was looking at the, uh, the website for the Wham Bam Club. I was like, wow. <laughs> She's pretty. <laughs> Definitely a November Sierra Foxtrot whiskey. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty. So, PAX East. <laughs> so, um, if, you, if you followed all of our updates on, on PAX East, first of all, thank you very much for, for following us. And we hope that we covered it appropriately. If there was something that you wanted to see, and we didn't touch on, please let us know and uh, send us an email or send us a tweet. Uh, so, so here's what happened, all right? Um, Paxi started on Friday, but but we got there on Saturday. So myself and Lou touched down in Boston for Pax East and uh, to experience the insanity and excitement from the fans of ESO, and it was, it was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. <laughs> the line to play the game for 20 minutes was five hours long. And people were, from everything I read and everything, were happy to do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, that will, oof, my gosh. <laughs> the, the, the energy was just, it was palpable. It absolutely was in that booth. It was phenomenal. Um, so we, we got the chance to, uh, to interview Nick Conkle and Paul Sage, who, uh, who had stated that, you know, even them, the devs, were surprised at the amount of people who had showed up. Um, even Pete Hines had released a, uh, a tweet that day saying, like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. it's like five hours long. And so everyone was really excited. And uh, it looked like they had a great showing. Uh, later that evening, all right, after, uh, you know, Lou and I just sort of, you know, walked around a bit and uh, spoke with a couple of people, checked in, let them know we're there. We were, we were basically there kind of waiting for sort of like headlines to just come out of the booth. And there weren't any, to be honest. There wasn't. And we were expecting like, you know, hey, guys, this new features in the game or, you know, hey, guys, we're supporting this now. And so n- nothing like that came out. But uh, that's what we were waiting around for. So if you were waiting around on Saturday for information to start trickling out, uh, you didn't see any, unfortunately. So I, I do apologize for that. But we were we were there. And if something was coming up, we were going to hear it. Uh, later that evening, uh, myself and, and Lou made it over to the Tamriel Beer Garden, which was that community event you guys heard about, at uh, the castle in Boston, and experienced the revelry firsthand, meeting with all the game devs, uh, gained the opportunity to interview Pete Hines, which was fantastic, uh, as well as enjoying all the different festivities at the event. Um, both of us played ESO for a little bit in the VIP area, uh, scored some event-unique items like an Ouroboros Beer Stein, Woot. <laughs> yeah, can I just interject there? Yeah. Woot. Woot. You know why? <laughs> uh, why? Why is that, Lou? Well, uh, hopefully, if we're correct, uh, supposedly there are only 300 of them made for that event. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, apparently, uh, ESO got Best of Show for, for PAX East, too. Yeah, it was awarded a Best of Show PAX East. Like, duh. <laughs> Half well, of PAX I mean, East was there. Was just outstandingly set up. Oh, it was amazing. It Wait. really was. It, it was something special. Um, just just going down the escalator. I mean, it was just you go down like the right hand escalator going onto the expo floor, and you look to the oh right. Oh my and god! There was the booth, and all these like you know huge trinitrons of the uh, 
the um, uh, you know screenshots and and the oh, uh, oh the alliances trailer the, the beta sign trailer and some gameplay footage. Um, what else? They, oh, silk screens of the faction symbols oh, and of the mm-hmm. faction leaders hanging overhead. Yeah, it was just phenomenal. They had thirty uh, thirty computers set up. That was the other thing too. Like you weren't sitting down at one computer. It wasn't a five-hour wait because there was one computer. It was they had thirty computers set up. I think Paul Sage was the one that told us. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. So they were. They had people playing thirty. Thirty people playing at twenty minutes a pop at a time. It's crazy. That line, that line was still ridiculous. It if was. we could show you, if show you photos, it was curving, following the wall, two walls of the expo floor. Yeah, <laughs> it was nuts. Um, so we. I mean, we're also back. Back up, back at the Tamriel Beer Garden. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got a chance to take some uh, take some pictures with uh, a bunch of a bunch of the uh, cosplayers there. They had a lot of cool cosplayers who were just fantastic actors. A lot of the devs were saying, like, you know, not a single one of these people is breaking character right now. I, I know it was great. I, I think who was I think it was Gina or Jess saying that uh, whoever hired them, they made sure these people knew. Knew the roles, like knew exactly what they were supposed to portray. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we had uh, there was an Alakir warrior, and this guy was just like he would, he acted the way you would think an Alakir warrior would act, and he was completely different than the Nordic uh, warrior, the female that we had come in contact with, who was, you know, the Alakir warrior was more like you know robust and ah come have a beer with me ah, and the Nordic female was more like you know. Uh, just very strong but muted in look a way. Look me in the yeah. Look me the wrong way. I'll punch your lights out. Yeah, I yeah. liked it. Kinky. Power lacks tough ladies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I sure do. <laughs> there was an Argonian female there uh, who was who. Ooh. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um. Who else? God, there was uh, uh, a. Yeah, a female Khajiit. Uh, what else? The oh, an Imperial Legionnaire. Ah, yes, it was very stately, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had also a uh, high elf uh, battle. Well, here's the thing: we we think he might have been a battle mage. He was a high elf who was dressed in plate armor but carried a wizard staff with him. Yeah, he had a staff. So we were like, "What is this guy?" <laughs> yeah, a true Elder Scrolls character. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. We can't tell who he is. <laughs> uh, and then we had the chance to sit down with uh, some of the some of the big players in the uh, Elder Scrolls Online community. We had an impromptu interview with Tamriel Foundry, um, Atropos, Fizzle, and Byronic were there, and uh, Guild Umbra, uh, Mark Taylor, uh, was there as well, and uh, as well as uh, Imperius Vare from uh, Tessoff. So we uh, we had a good time chatting with those guys, and it felt like. It felt like you know hanging out with you know some real some real community leaders for for uh, Elder Scrolls Online. It was really cool. Uh, and then Dave flew in, and things started to suck after that. Wow! <laughs> Ooh, ouch! I see how it is. Yeah. Uh, as as Saturday became Sunday, Dave came in, and uh, we we met up with him. Um, Sunday morning, and they stole my cab. We stole your cab, yeah. Yeah, Dave pulls up to the <laughs> hotel room, and uh, I tell him, Dave, move over, we're getting food. <laughs> we ate well at the uh, the Tamriel Beer Garden, but it had been some hours since we had last eaten, so 
you know, two o'clock in the morning hits, and you know, we're we're finding uh, some place to uh, absorb the mead in our guts. <laughs> yeah, pre- yeah. So that was actually quite a nice way of putting it. <laughs> That's right. Um, but then, then things went from awesome to super awesome because Dave and Joe uh, came in, all right, into uh, into Boston just in time because we sat down uh, noon on Sunday after nursing our uh, our uh, hangovers. <laughs> Uh, we had the opportunity to play the game for two hours, which was awesome. So uh, we scored some interviews with the devs like Brian Wheeler, Nick Conkle, um, Paul Sage again, uh, spoke with these guys for a bit. And we, we've got some, some interesting tidbits that flowed from, from those interviews, uh, such as Paul Sage confirmed that Jeremy Soule was involved in the ESO soundtrack, as well as hinted there may be a collector's edition for ESO and that he had worked on it. Uh, Nick Conkle explained endgame dungeon experience in ESO and why the idea that no rating at endgame just simply isn't an accurate portrayal of what the endgame is like. Um, and we got an affirmation from Brian Wheeler that PvE and PvP will not affect one another. And he explained all of this um, on episode 61 of, uh, of our show. So, uh, if you're looking for more information, all right, go go check it out. All right, our uh, extensive, nearly three-hour-long audio diary of PAX East includes all of that stuff, all of those interviews as they happen, plus a bonus live podcast from the hotel, including you know all of us just sitting and sitting around, hanging out and discussing what what had happened there that day. Um, just basically digesting our gameplay, fielding questions from the live chat room at the time. Um, it was just, it was a great, great time. Then, yeah. as as we got home, the entire time, we're just funneling as much information as we possibly could over to uh, to our, our great writers, uh, Joe Bradford, Brian Armstrong, and the one and only Shank the Tank. <laughs> that's, that's the tank, the E. That's right. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, leave off the E. For uh, savings on pumice stuff, <laughs> <laughs> you can catch all of this coverage not just in episode sixty-one, all right, but in seven articles written by these guys. These guys hammered it home for us. Phenomenal work job, uh, phenomenal y'all job, guys. You did great work. Yeah, y'all did great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Elder Scrolls Online at PAX Developing Stories is one article. Uh, Wrap-up of Saturday's events at PAX East. PAX Day 2, ESOTR's two-hour playthrough with ESO, first impressions. Jeremy Soule confirmed to be involved with ESO soundtrack. Elder Scrolls Online, an MMO noob's reaction. Elder Scrolls Online, Nick Conkle breaks down... Gameplay mechanics, endgame, and more, and PvP and ESO controlling Cyrodiil are the the uh, articles that you can all you can find all of them at elderscrollsofftherecord.com. So please check them out. They're a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal description of what was going on there. Great information and very very well written. All right, guys, it's time to get into our gameplay, and I want to hear from Dave and Lou first because I have. I was so excited. I think one of the most things I was looking forward to of the entire PAX East convention was getting their impressions of playing Elseworlds Online so that we can have four people on the show that have experience in the game now and know what me and Yvarma are talking about. So The four people who matter. Right. We'll get the fifth one eventually. <laughs> but uh, So we're going to start off with Lou. Okie dokie. Well, 
as we all know, through episode 61, I walked away very impressed. Very impressed. Uh, being an old-time, old-school Elder Scrolls fan from Arena onward, uh, it, this game, to me, played... And, and, you know, I felt like I was playing... I know everyone tried before, yes, I felt comfortable playing this environment because it has the Elder Scrolls elements that I'm used to, that I expect in a game that has the Elder Scrolls tag attached to it. Okay, it was very easy to get into. Okay, it was no steep learning curve. Well, it makes me something to change when the game comes out, but from what they were able to show us, okay, it, it for that new person to the MMO crowd, to the MMO scene, I should say, for the uh, Elder Scrolls fans who have always just played single-player RPGs for most of their library, um, you know, please don't be afraid. Don't let the, that you know three-letter word MMO scare you away. Okay, you're gonna feel right at home, logging in and playing this game. Okay, because you are going to see a lot of things that will make you automatically feel at ease. I have um, a question for you, Lou. Sure. I've been waiting to ask this question all ever since Sunday. So, do you think? Finally, that Yvarwin um, and myself were right about the game. Yes, yes, I, I do admit that. Um, it's recorded. It, yes, it's it, it, it <laughs> actually on, on on tape. So yeah, because I remember before, you know, I was one of those people who actually expressed concern because again, you're trying to convert one game, one game, uh, I guess, design and put it in a totally different field. I wouldn't say you know it's not possible, but uh, of course, there are always dangers that it'll ruin something in the transition. And for what I've seen so far, it's it's been great. You know, so much there that they're going to do, and I feel with the direction they're going, with the team they've got, it's amazing. This game is going to be very, very good. It's going to be great. What what I think, what I think sets this apart from a lot of MMOs out there right now is the recent realization that the game devs are not just listening to the fans, but they're actually taking what the fans have to say seriously and applying it to the game. That was the one thing that that I came out with Paxi suddenly actually shocked about. Um, they, they really have an honest-to-God, genuine concern for what the fans are saying and then, and then saying, how can we take what they want and actually put it into the game? A lot of game developers out there just say, yeah, we're listening. And we've seen that recently in, in MMOs last year. That's different this time around. These, 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 these devs are not doing that. They are actually listening and, and applying what we say. Right. They're actually listening to constructive player feedback or fan feedback and, and taking an honest look at it. Yeah. The first-person perspective is a phenomenal example of that. Right. And, and you know, to that point, yes, the devs are there. They are you know, they're, they're reading the forums like everyone else. Okay, they're looking at what the people are saying. But again, you know, it's constructive feedback, constructive criticism. Okay, and people should not expect, you know, oh my God, they they haven't listened to my uh, my suggestions for the past eight months. This game is going to fail. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, my my first game play actually started at the beer garden event on Saturday night, all right, because they actually had uh, two separate areas set up. Okay. Uh, they had an area in the VIP area in the VIP yes, section of the beer garden, and they also had another area set up for the rest of the people who were invited to the event or went to the event. And here's the cool thing, though: uh, for the event, if 
you want a VIP area, if you wanted to actually play <laughs> on the other computers that set up, you had to pay a coin for game time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, they gave us coins at the beginning, a pack of coins, and you had to buy various things in the beer garden with that. That was a currency you had to use. Yeah, that was an awesome touch. I really enjoyed that. I have one of those coins right here, and I forgot if it was Jess or Gina that gave it to me. I think it was Gina that gave it to you. Gina was awesome, even though she tortured me about it yeah. all day. <laughs> Thanks, Gina. Appreciate it. Anyway, you were saying, Lou. Yeah, so it, that was you know, part of the fun we had. And when I actually sat down, when a free spot opened up, I actually started and played a uh, high elf mage. I uh, started up that, that character. I actually went to the character creation because I saw there were slots available uh, to create a new character. So I actually chose uh, the Dominion faction. And I chose a, a to create a female mage, and then that was my first real my first look at the character creation process, and I was amazed. It was very detailed. It was very in length, and which I liked. Uh, for those who really get in their avatars and get with the RP, the immersion thing, cough, shank, me, cough. Yeah, yes, <laughs> believe me, you will be stuck there for an hour or two, or whatever have it takes for you to actually. <laughs> <laughs> your avatar for the game. Yeah. So that's there. <laughs> yeah, I went off with the starter armor and the staff weapons available at character creation. And I just started to play. Um, I don't recall exactly where I was because key phrase there is we were at the Tamriel Beer Garden. You know, deduced the information from there. <laughs> and so I, all I remember is it was fluid. Okay, it wasn't that hard. Although I was dying probably left and right because my reflexes were so jammed up <laughs> from what I was drinking. Um, but it was uh, it was good. It was good from what I remember. And then going into the next day, I actually got to see everything in detail. I actually played with the sliders that were out there, the details for the character creation. I created a male Breton. And this time, I, you know, I went through all the hairstyles. Like, you know, gave a decent short haircut bit of a stash I think a scar <laughs> a bit of a stash <laughs> <laughs> yeah the crinkled caterpillar on the top of his lip um joe wouldn't you say like the the character creation at this point is like probably the most in-depth character creation that we've seen yet in a game and in any mmo yes it actually beats out skyrim's character creation so, yeah, I can just picture when we go and do our um, 12-hour event, we're going to spend probably two hours in the first two hours <laughs> making characters. There were several sliders for the nose. And then Dave, like, <clears throat> you know, taps me. He's like, Evarwin, Evarwin, there's a badonkadonk slider. <laughs> <laughs> there's one for the butt. Yeah, There is a butt slider. That. that was ridiculous. So, Lou, your two-hour demo, what... Okay, after you got done with your character creation, what was your fir- your first... What was it like for you? What did you do in the game? Well, after I finished creating my character, I believe one of the devs came up behind me just to give me and the gentleman next to me uh, a quick a quick run-through on some stuff because, uh, you know, they put you two on the other side because you already knew what was going on. You knew the basics, but... I think it was either Maria Laprando or or maybe Brian also stepped in and was just giving us a quick uh, like five minute rundown as to what we could do, you know, to help speed up the process. So you know we could just skip 
bypass the tutorial pop-ups. And you know what? Yeah, this is what's going to happen. This is what you need to do. And so that way, we just get right in and start playing. I was just started wandering around. <laughs> I, mean, I was like, where am I? <laughs> uh, I'm on a boat. Okay. Quest giver. MDC. Okay. Cool, cool. That's awesome. And then I realized, oh, wait a minute. It totally hit me that I'm seeing other players around me. And I'm playing the Elder Scrolls game, and they're not under my control, and I'm PCs. And I think one of them was Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I was. I was, like, right there next to you in the beginning. Yep. And so <laughs> after I goes, oh, that's Dave. That's pretty cool. He's killing rats. I went and left the boat. <laughs> um, and it just started listening to conversation between the NPCs or just hitting every NPC I could interact with. So, you know, conversation or talk, I'll talk. All right, maybe some of it was just just the random sayings that NPCs always give in Elder Scrolls games, like, you know, wish I had a belly full of meat, or, you know, <laughs> that sneak thief, that sort of thing. I thought that was pretty cool. Did you immediately allow the the quests to to push you from one NPC to another, or did you just run out and look to experience the world? I actually was doing a bit of both. I was actually doing, trying to see as much as I could in the initial area where they started us off as. And, but I was actually looking for NPCs uh, to pick up quests from and just start that just to see how the questing would work, how the leveling would work, and experience it. And so I picked up a couple of them and then just started exploring the general area. You know, I started realizing, okay, what's going on here? And then again, one of the devs had said, oh, well, you know, if you're going to attack, just press this button, do this. You know, if you hold it down, you're going to charge it. If you hold down the left mouse attack button, you're going to see yourself wind up and charge up for a power attack. And for a mage, that looked pretty cool. Um, well, you see a more powerful version of the spell just, just occur. Once I got the handle of that and realized, hey, you know what? I could still move uh, and cast, which I thought was pretty nice. You know, I wasn't restricted to just standing in one place and allowing the spell to fire off, what have you. Um... Let's see. Well, that's kind of the best thing about this that I, I saw right now is that all the combat was extremely, extremely active. There was no pause, wait for spell, or wait for them to cast on you, or that kind of back and forth game. It was, I, w- I, know, I know for myself, I was constantly moving nonstop, just yeah. firing yeah. off abilities like they were nothing. Some of those first fights that, that we got into, you know, a fireball would come flying at us, and, you know, you, just, you were able to dodge out of the way if you, were, if you were quick enough. Right, and that's the one thing I did like about the combat when I first experienced it. was like, you know what? I wasn't, you know, I was just doing the soft lock, okay? Just trying to keep the target in my sight and realizing, you know, if I was just off by a little bit, yeah, I was going to miss. Just like in Skyrim now, if you're off from your cursor, for whatever you're doing, you're going to miss. Yeah. Okay, and... Realizing that the two wolves charging down, trying to eat me, <laughs> yeah, I could dodge out of the way. <laughs> but realizing, oh my god, my stamina is getting drained. I, oh, I can't dodge. I'm dead. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's the. I think that's uh, that's another thing too that that you gotta know about in this game is that everything works off of stamina, magicka, and health. So when you're dodging out of the way as a mage, you got to have enough stamina to make sure that you're able to dodge a couple of times. So, Right, and that's what I learned the hard way is that just like any other resource, yes, you're one particular style, especially – well, not especially, but – all right, as a mage, I should pay attention to my stamina. Right. Even you can't though my, just 
you can't just fill up on Magicka and think you're going to walk through the game and just you know own everything. <laughs> no. Right. Yeah. It, it comes where you have to find that fine balance because yeah, you could you'd want a large Magicka reserve. I think every person who's playing a, a mage type class want to. But then again, with what they show us for combat and how it works, you also have to be careful and realize okay. There may come a time when you're going to need a decent amount of stamina to be able to dodge four, five, six times in a row and get that back quickly. Otherwise, you're just a walking target to whatever's attacking you. Okay, I mean, you can only dodge so much before you realize, you know, you have to rebuild that that particular resource back again. And it may cost you. Right. And there are perks in the game, too, as you level up. Um, there are perks where you can get... Um, Stamina back a little bit faster. Yes. Depending and on your armor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just to answer quickly to Mr. Fester. Yeah, I did use consumables, uh, Mr. Fester, uh, a couple times inadvertently because I didn't actually realize yeah. that, uh, the the key that actually fires off your consumables. For us, if you're playing Skyrim, it's the uh, pulls up your abilities list. <clears throat> that was one of my big okay. negatives. If you don't mind, Lou, if I do bring this up really quick, I just remembered the negative. And that was the Q key, like you just said, yep. being right there on movement. Yep. It was, they have, in, in your inventory slot, you have a, a slot where you can put the quick slot. That's where you put your potions, either where your health potion, your mana potion, your stamina potion, whatever. And I had, of course, my health potions in there, and I'd, I'm dyslexic sometimes when I'm trying to type or move, and I accidentally hit the Q key with my finger on caps A and S. Um... And I would constantly fire off those potions when I didn't need them, so I wasted six or seven of them. Right. Which I did the same happen. thing. <laughs> to me. I did the exact same thing, Joe. I, I, and you know what? The good thing is it is remappable, but until you do that, you're going to be wasting <laughs> if you if you hit that accidentally. Well, like you said, David, the good thing is is that it is remappable. You can remap that, but, uh, you know... <laughs> I didn't have an issue with okay, it. The default needs to be changed. Right. Or at least before you actually start going out there and adventuring the world, you know, take a moment to actually read what everything does, what all the hotkeys are, because you know, that'll save you a lot of pain, a lot of unnecessary <laughs> roughness while you're getting to know the world uh, of, yeah, of ESO. All right. Anything else, Lou? Um, well, yeah. Uh, just one more quick thing. I uh, learned a couple spells. Picked up the you know, lightning spell, which I thought was pretty cool. I picked up a curse-type spell, which acted like a dot. Uh, the familiar spell, which I barely used for some reason, but it was pretty cool. I actually said, you know what, I'll pick it up. I, I chose it. And one of my favorites is it gave me... I actually was able to learn an ensnare spell, something that actually rooted my target in place. All right, And I could actively damage it until it wore off. Okay, Or if I caused enough damage to it, it just broke, which I, you know, which is a familiar mechanic in other MMOs. If you root something, yeah, it has percentage to break or totally mobilizes until it's over. But yeah, I thought that was pretty neat that at such a low level, okay, they gave players who are going to think about playing a mage-type class or, or caster-type class the ability to say, you know what, I can be effective, I can cause damage, and be able to survive with this kind of ability. What level did you get your mage up to? Uh, gosh, Dave, how far did we get up to? Five? Well, you I, got to five. I, I didn't get to five. Okay. All right. All right. Speaking of which, Dave, it's your turn, man. Yay! Um, I, I didn't get to five. Okay, obviously. Okay. 
All right, I'm, I'm going to start out. Actually, I'm going to I'm going to say, I, I I was just amazed walking into the ESO area, just like the the booth that they had set up there. If I had to characterize like my special heaven, that's my special heaven, right there. Just <laughs> it was great. Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> they they brought us in there, and the first thing they did is they set us down. They said, "Hey, you're going to make a new character." And they they just unleashed us on the game with nothing to go on. They basically just logged us in and said, do. And there are, oh my god, there are so many sliders. Yeah. First off, the best thing I've seen that they pulled in from a, a previous game is they pulled in the Rift face slider. That triangle that lets you move it either from a serious face to a, to a thin face to a, a thick face. And, and that makes life a lot easier for just doing a, a quick overview of what you want your face to look like on your character. Yeah, that, that was really my is. favorite part. Yeah, they, they, they really they really simplified that, that character creation, even yeah. though they added a lot more to it. And that's really, it, it really is genius when you can add more to a, a, a game without making it ridiculously more complex. It, it's very simple, and that's the good part about every piece of this game is it's simple, yet it gives you all the information you need exactly when you need it. That's another thing that I, I found out with the UI. There's nothing to it, but at the same time, every time you need information, it's at your fingertips. If you need, if you pass by something on screen, you can use your. It pops up on screen that you can use the E key. If you have um, you get in a fight, your health pops up, your magic pops up, your even your your bar that lets you have your skills pops up on screen. Normally, it would just disappear if you're no longer in the, the heat of battle. It, it, the UI is very intelligent, very minimalistic. It's very open. I I almost a few times I I was like, am I actually in a menu right now? Because it was even open in menus. It, I felt like there was nothing there on the screen. But at the same time, everything I needed was right there at my fingertips, even if it was up in the corners. And the best part is it's there when you need it. Exactly. I didn't even realize that was what was going on until probably about an hour and a half into my gameplay. And I realized, oh, my God, this thing fades away when I'm not in combat. And I was actively engaged in combat for, you know, on and off throughout the entire time. I actually went through and I like having that up all the time just because the more information I have constantly, the better I feel about life. And I, I even turned on the bars, the health bar, stamina and uh, magic bars. And on top of that, I turned on like exactly how much in number was in each bar. Right. Uh, which, by the way, every time you level up, each one of those gains by 10 points, and you get a, a point to put into any of them to increase one of them by an additional 10 points. So you're not going to be completely left in the dust if you don't put a point in one of one or the other. Right. Every level to, you gain across the board. As opposed to Skyrim, where when you level up... Exactly the other bars just remain unattended while the other one just gets 10 points, 10 points, 10 points. Right. So you're not going to be as, as uh, you're going to be a bit more hefty than you were in Skyrim. Hefty. Just by love. 
Hefty. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um. Let's see what else. I I actually did. I as as. Lou said, my first task in game was to rid the ship of all the evil, evil little rats. <laughs> uh, which was pretty neat, because I actually was playing around with things just to test out what was going on. My big pet peeve in an MMO is AoE looting. Remember me poking y'all and, and freaking out about this? Yeah. They have AoE looting in this game, meaning if you kill two enemies that are within a minimal range of each other, and you loot one of them, you loot both at the same time. That is amazing. <laughs> I, that makes me so happy that they're releasing with that. That's so cool. Um, another thing that I've noticed a lot is I, I looted a lot of things that were uh, used in either alchemy or creating other things. Like, I, I got rat ears and rat tails and, and puffs of rat fur a lot, because I, I killed a lot of rats. Um, but they, they, it's pretty nifty, because they're, they, they're obviously readying the game to be profession-heavy. Yeah, and wasn't it all that stuff like alchemy stuff as well? Yeah, that, that's that's what I mean. That, that, yeah. that is amazing. And the alchemy that's, important. That's a, did you find out where the alchemy is? Well, yeah, uh, Nick Conkle told me about the alchemy when I brought up the whole cogs that were for alchemy. Mm-hmm. Asked yeah. him about placeholder. And the the items that you get for alchemy have that same four question marks that you find in, like, Skyrim. Each one is being a property of what, kind, well, what property that that item has and how it will combine. Those properties are based on how it will combine with other, other um, items with the same properties to create health potions, magic potions, combinations of both. And he said that it's just like Skyrim in that you got to mix them together to discover those properties. Sometimes they'll work, sometimes they won't, and you can create these epic potions eventually when you find out all these different properties of these different things and combine them together in different ways. So it's very much a free-form, exploration-style uh, trade skill. That's cool. And I think the most important part that we could probably mention out of this is that, you know, Dave was finding these things on rats, which you would probably say, like, okay, so when I kill, you know... Uh, a critter inside of inside of any MMO that happens, but that it only happens with hostile critters in other MMOs. This was actually like a, a neutral like critter. When you walk past this thing, yeah. it didn't it didn't this, attack. This was you. just a, a, a yellow named rat just hanging out. Like hey, I'm a rat on the ship, and I was like, no, you're gonna die. And then I killed him, <laughs> and I I took his pelt. It was cool. Right, you don't get and, mats out of out of most <clears throat> you know MMOs by doing by doing that. Yeah, it, it was pretty nifty. Yeah. Um, another thing I noticed with rats, by the way, is there. I was on the dock right outside the ship, and there was a rat that I was just I was playing around. I was still killing rats because killing rats is awesome. And there was this tiny broken down box, which is the kind of thing you'd expect in other MMOs to not even receive like mapping for breaking line of sight. It's the sort of thing you'd expect to be able to even just walk through because it's so minimalistic. It's so unnecessary. It's 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 just there for aesthetics. They actually mapped it. It is actually tangible in this game. Everything placed in this game, if you can't see through it, you can't aim through it, which is surprising for an MMO. 
and I, that really pleased me when I was even I, I this was another moment that I was tapping a bar on the shoulder I was like oh my god look at this because <laughs> yeah, that goes towards their technology all that stuff needs to be rendered in the game and it, it just it takes up a lot of resources and uh, if it's if it's there in the game it's good but you know if there's too much resources being taken out off your computer for that then it, it becomes GPU intensive um, right. which they're able to figure out how to put that in there and yet, at the same time, not be a hog on your system. Well, it's pretty. It's it's just amazing that they did were capable to include that as well as thought to include that, and didn't just say, "Oh, we're gonna throw a broken down box right there." You're gonna make it so people can uh, can't walk over it. No, it's just gonna be look nifty. You see that in other games all the time. It's not just there for aesthetics. It actually is part of the environment, which is something that people like Shank are going to flip out over when they actually get to touch the game. What's up? Okay. Um, you know, anyway, back to back to my character. I eventually just went exploring, and I came across the one thing in this game that I was waiting for this whole time. That's right. I killed me a mud crab. <laughs> exactly. As soon as Dave saw one, here is one. I found one. I know he was. Much, he was like way too excited for a mud crab. <laughs> yeah, he tapped me on the shoulder. He was like, "I did it. I killed a mud crab." You know what, Barlin? <laughs> Those I, are mean. Yeah, they are, dude. Mud crabs are like really mean in this game. I, I tried to fight it. That mud crab was all like, "Oh no, you didn't. This is my beach." And I was like, "Oh man." <laughs> So you found a mud crab. Did you find a nern root? No, I did not find a nern root. In fact, I have not figured out. I did not figure out in my gameplay how to actually pick uh, blue mountain flowers either. <gasps> that, yeah, that just could be because I have not. I didn't get to the point where I figured out how to get a profession. Yeah. <laughs> so, anywho, um. I, I actually got killed by some wolves pretty close there after uh, getting off the ship and eventually got back to the ship and started on my quest uh, where just like Lou I, I was um, I, I was talking to the NPCs and eventually picked up a few quests but I, I went out to the wild just doing my quest thing and I saw this mage uh, shooting at stuff I was like I just got killed. I need to take that out on somebody. <laughs> so I walk up to this mage and I, I right click him and I'm like, how do I duel this guy? I want to kill him. I think it'd be hilarious. It ended up being Lou. <laughs> um, so I, I actually, I couldn't figure out how to duel him. So I just invited him to the group anyway. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Alright, um, the thing is, I noticed what Lou was doing, and I, I, I did the same thing for my first level, is we both picked this spell in Destruction, which is a lightning spell, but it's, it's something I haven't seen in an MMO for a very, very long time. The first one, it, it, you target an enemy with this lightning spell, and it hits the enemy, but... It does splash damage. Now, if you, if you may know this back from, like... God, last time I've seen splash damage in an MMO had to be... 
Final mm-hmm. Fantasy Eleven. Wow, they had it in World War. Anyway, too. did do they have splash single target targeted effects, but then add splash to them? Yeah, I believe so. With some of the mage skills, fire skills. Did they? Fire. Yeah. It, it, this is what that did. I target an enemy, and if another enemy is close enough, it will also get hit. It's not an AOE. An AOE, you affect, like, a circle on the ground. This is single-targeted with Splash. And I haven't seen this in so long, but just seeing this is, like, bringing back old memories, and man, it, it was a cool spell. And I was happy to see that included in the game. I bet you um, those uh, those rooting uh, rooting effect spells would come in handy with that if you accidentally splash on on an enemy you didn't mean to. Yeah. Um. Th- in fact, that was one thing that Lou did that I decided to go different. He picked a spell that kind of ensnared people. Mm-hmm. So I went the other direction. I picked up the conjuration familiar, well, and I was using the conjure familiar all the time it, it, it was it was this nifty little demon looking thing but uh the ai needs a little bit of work because sometimes i'd summon him and he and we'd get in a fight and he would just stand there staring at us hey guys what you doing <laughs> hey guys but i'd expect that that's gonna get thick pretty pretty dating quick that i'm expecting it anyway um it is it's that, that familiar is pretty nifty and it does a good bit of damage because when he did get in, a, in, a, in the fight boy he could not only take it but he could deal it out um later on i i got one final point and i decided to change it up instead of actually putting it into my core skills i i threw it into my destruction staff great minds think alike dave yeah my destruction staff, uh, the first thing in there is this elemental close-range hit, which it snares your... Well, the, the one I used snared my opponent to the ground because I, my staff was a frost staff at the time. Oh. And the frost staff gave, made this spell a frost hit. So it, when I hit the enemy, it froze him to the ground as well as dealt damage to him. But the spell itself would change depending on what element my staff was. If I used a fire staff, I believe it did a knockback. If I had an electric staff, I think it did a stun. It, it was pretty neat. It, it, it's just like, even the spells you purchase may not be the spells they end up being as you upgrade your character. It, it's it's a very new way of looking at, at skills. Something that I'm, I'm, I was very happy to play with. Um... But again, me and Lou went around after we were grouped together. We we worked a lot together, and I know people are saying, "Oh well, uh, you know this this game doesn't look like it's going to be able to be played unless you do fall back on the the Holy Trinity." I can tell you right now, me and Lou, we were like, <laughs> we were sauntering <laughs> through this game. <laughs> Like, we were holding hands and skipping. Like, I was holding hands with my familiar, and I was holding hands with, with Lou. We were skipping <laughs> through the game. Throwing fire. <laughs> People well, yeah. were like, you're not going to enter into my cave. And we were like, yes, we are. And he died, and it was pretty nifty. Yeah, I mean, it, actually, one of the devs came up behind us. I forgot who it was. said, yeah, you guys are just a wrecking pair, aren't you? Because he'd been watching us for like 10 minutes. Just yeah. go right, we just run and wipe out this Dwemer uh, room we were at. 
<laughs> See, and that's that's one of the that's one of the great things about this game is that you can play it solo and do well, but if you group up with other people, you will do great. Yeah, we decimated. It was wonderful. And I got to say, I know that there's fears that this is going to be, you know, thrown back a little bit on the the Skyrim point of view where if you're not using a shield, you're not going to be able to block and do shield bashes and stuff. I was using a staff right. the whole time. I could block with a staff. I could interrupt, which is you smack an enemy who's doing something crazy with my staff. Yeah. And there are enemies that that's how you fight them. You you knock them off their guard, and they go down like a, a you know a bag of rice. They I just, noticed a lot of that. Yeah, I noticed a lot of those archers. That was the case with them. Yeah. There's there's it's nifty that there are enemies, just normal enemies. That you can have a a plan. You can have a strategy on just normal enemies out in the wild. It's not, hey, look at this guy and the 400 other different sprites. They all act the same way. No, they don't. Different enemies in this game actually have different AI. Whoa, they have wait a second, Dave. To them up. You mean to tell me that I have to walk into this MMO and have a strategy when killing mobs in the world to complete quests and not just walk out there and, you know, hit the one through uh, nine button and, and just face roll through it? No way. Actually having to think? That doesn't sound like a game for me. Unacceptable. <laughs> it's, it's, no, it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing the fact that Dave and I were two light armor wearing casters. And yet we were able to hold our own um, going through a, you know, a, granted, a starter dungeon, but a lot of people have fears of, well, that's just beginning, that's low-level stuff. Okay, work with us here. If it's the same concept they have from beginning to the end game where a little bit of coordination, a little bit of knowledge, and some you know quick thinking, yes, you can do it. Well, I also want to remind you that Nick told me that that was a dumbed-down version of the game for the purpose of the demo. So it's not going to be as easy as it was for you guys. It'll be a little bit harder, but you're yep. absolutely still right, though. It's that's the way. It's yeah, gonna be. Even then you can feel it. Yeah, going there with a set with a with again communication, communication. I say it again, communication. Not just going in a group and just going, all right, let's go. No, talk yeah. to each other. Know your skills and know what you're going to do and be able to act on the fly. Yeah, you could you can tackle the content. You know, maybe not as fast. <laughs> maybe you know, maybe you're looking to do it in 15 minutes. But guess what? If a party doesn't 30, they still did it. They now, still, Joe... They still gold medal for first place. <laughs> what, Dave? You played this uh, a few months ago. How difficult was it then compared to now? Oh, I face-rolled it. Um, and okay. that's when Nick told me <laughs> on, on Sunday that they had to change some difficulty settings because of that. Oh. Thanks and a lot, Joe. Yeah, thanks, Dave. <laughs> Joe, rather. I, I was face-rolling it this time, and that's when Nick stopped and said, Look, dude, it's really not going to be as easy at launch. <laughs> that's awesome I, I can tell um, that uh, some things got increased because instead of dying twice in October I died four times this time <laughs> <laughs> and I actually died for the first time it was weird I didn't know what to do <laughs> alright anything else Dave you know I just want to say all in all I'm very pleased with this game but I really need to play it all the way to the end to give my final seal of approval. Oh, that's something I wasn't expecting. See, when we walked in there, Dave, before we walked into this whole event, 
Dave was one of the most skeptics, biggest skeptics besides Shank. And uh, I'm still going to tag with that, Shank. When we got done with that, <laughs> I swear he was like floating on a cloud out of there in a dream oh stare. God. The biggest smile on his face you could imagine. He was just I think in heaven. Giddy. Yeah. yeah. Giddy. I, I, I actually, they, they, after we did the play session, the guys, we took the, uh, the devs to go interview him. And they had me asking the devs questions, and I was actually worried that I wasn't speaking English. Rather, I was giggling my questions. Well, some of them you did. Paul Sage, and I was worried I was going to be like, (laughs) I was worried that's how I was talking, because I was just so giddy at the moment. It was awesome. I, I love seeing Lou's and Dave's impressions because Lou was the same way. And Lou's more of a, um, he was more of a, uh, in person, what's what I'm looking for, more of a uh, down to earth than Dave was about it. But he was still on Cloud Nine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lou's, Lou's more reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it was fantastic watching these guys go through it. Um, but see, me and Evarwin, we did get to play in October. And we got to go back and experience it, what, five months later? Mm-hmm. And see the difference in the game. And Ivarwin, it's your turn. The biggest difference that I saw was was how they did the uh, the weapon skills. Or just, just the skills in general. How when you level up, how, how that whole thing is just laid out in front of you. And and the way you can obtain obtain these skills. Yeah. It's very simple now. You level up. You put a, a point into into health, magicka, or stamina. Once you're done with that, you get a skill point. Put it in whatever you want. You can put it in your class, which there's there's three different, uh, I guess, trees to your class. Um, you can put it into one of the weapons that you're using. And they're all outlined right there for you from the uh, one-handed weapon and shield skill to the two-handed weapon staves um it was all the weapons yeah i I think dual wielding is another weapon type as well yeah it was dual wielding two hands single wet single sword uh sword and shield staff it was healing staff destruction staff bow and there were other ones there that i didn't get a chance to look at right um Armor. You can put it into the type of armor that you want to wear, whether it's light, medium, or heavy. And and all of these, all of these skills will they they uh, they level themselves up when you put them on on your 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 uh, hot bar there and and use them during the course of the game. If you find that something isn't working out for you, take it off your bar, put a different one in. It's just that simple. It's and and I. What I like about it is that it, it has an unbelievable amount of customization that you can put into your build. You literally can make whatever it is that you want. It's it's just that simple. It's, it's sick. great. Yeah, that, I have to agree, Varwin. That was probably one of the most impressive changes I saw. Yeah. Um, so I threw together a uh, Breton, Breton Templar with uh, light armor and a two-handed weapon. I got him up to level four. Um, I spec'd it to Sun Magic, which was uh, one of the three class trees that you could uh, put perks into. Um, one of the things that, that I really enjoyed about this character is the ability of being able to do you know some damage over time with your melee skills. 
So uh, I believe the the first one that you get is um, I think it's called uh, Sunstrike, and you know it, you, once you you hit an enemy with Sunstrike, it'll do you know damage over time as you're doing your melee combat. So if you're a heavy armor wearing Templar, um, and your your idea is to is to uh, be be a tank in the game, you're still going to be able to do a good amount, a great amount of, of damage as well. And then just, you know, equip a, a healing staff on top of this as a different loadout. And you can be a great healer too. I love that. Sunfire was another awesome ability. It was a ranged ability. I'm a melee warrior type of, of character, but I'm throwing this thing called Sunfire which has like you know a medium range attack to it, and it would hit this enemy. They turn around, come running at me, and meanwhile their their damage, um, their their health is ticking down a little bit because guess what? Sunfire is a ranged skill, and it's got a damage over time um, effect to it. And some of these some of these enemies, once they finally made it to me, they just died at my feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have something to say about that too about my gameplay. Love that. But that's not for me, Joe. Yeah, that can exist in any game. I don't care about that stuff. Okay, I want this to feel like an Elder Scrolls game. Well, I think uh, every every Elder Scrolls fan wants that, right? So, and I think I mentioned this on episode sixty-one. I started on the same ship as everyone else did. I walked out there. I talked to you know ship captain so and so. She said, "Oh, I got another quest for you." I said, "You know what, lady? No thanks. You can stop it. I'll be back later." Pretty much. <laughs> you know, I said, I will get to you when I want to get to you. <laughs> <laughs> I walked out. I walked out of the town, and I just ran out there and just explored and and did my normal Skyrim thing. And even though right now, as it, you know, like right now, there's there's no, you know, hands and, and weapons mm. in the game in first-person mode, I went into first-person mode. And tested the fact that even though you don't see the animated arms and weapons yet in the game, that you can still be in combat. And yes, it, it is there. And yeah, it's 100% I, viable. I remember looking at your screen when, during the one many times that me and Dave were on, you know, next to you poking you all the time. It felt bad for you. <laughs> like, yeah, Joe's like, hey, dude, check this out. <laughs> Dave's over there. Hey, you want to check this out? I had bookends. I had Joe on the left. I had Dave on the right. <laughs> and then I, I had uh, I, I had uh, Nick Conkle like tapping me on the back. He's like, you know, you could also do this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Nick spent a lot of time over by you and I. You yeah, that? well, you know, we needed help. We're retards. <laughs> no, I enjoyed it. Nick's a fantastic guy. He's fun. I had so many conversations during that playtime with Nick. It was funny. Yeah, he's he's a good guy for sure. Oh. I'm sorry to interrupt, but we got a question uh, asking how lockpicking was. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, lockpicking. <laughs> <clears throat> oh my god! All right, so this is this is the one thing like Nick almost pushed me away from my keyboard <laughs> and did it himself. Well, He's- <laughs> can I tell you a quick story about that? Why he did that? God, please, yeah. <laughs> he saw me doing lockpicking and was sitting there trying to tell me how to do it as I failed over and over and over again. He got so frustrated that when he saw you do it shortly after, he wanted to make sure you got it right. Yeah. <laughs> I I would not have have figured this out had it not been um had it not been formed. In my opinion, I think they still need work on this. 
Um, I'm not. I'm not praising the the lock picking. Um, I think it's it's a great um, it's a, it's a great marriage between what you see in Oblivion and what you see in Skyrim. I think it's very very good at that. But in in my opinion, I don't think it's very intuitive because it did it did take Nick. I mean, if Nick did not explain this to me, I don't think I would have gotten it for for quite a while. Yeah, I I actually liked it. Honestly, it kind of reminded me of a, a very similar to Oblivion, but a lot easier to use once he once it was explained to me. When you, yeah, I think you're exactly right. To pick it up for the first time is going to be confusing. Yeah, it's all about being a sensitive touch to the. You see it from the side view. What you're seeing is a lock and the different lock pins, like you do in Oblivion. However, mm-hmm. you're not tapping it, waiting for it to go up, and then clicking a button, and it stays there. You're actually pressurizing down on, on the actual pin, like you would do like a real lock pick. And as soon as you feel the um, the tension, that's when you hit it. If you don't do it right, you can either break a lock pick or you have to start over. The only thing that bothered me about Evarwin was the twenty second time limit. Yeah, very nerve wracking. You know, I know the time limit sucked, but I said it before and I'll say it again. I think the time limit's necessary. They need to increase it a little bit. I think they could increase it a little bit, but I think the time limit is necessary. But you know what I just had an occurrence, though, Dave? What if there's an actual lockpicking perk for, like, the fourth class that actually does increase time? You know, that'd be nice. That would be very nice, yeah. Yeah, don't forget, we didn't <clears throat> see the, uh, what is it, the Nightblade? Yeah. We didn't see the Nightblade class. Maybe that's something that they're putting into the Nightblade class. Or it could be one of the universal skills they talked about. All right, could be. I can see that like a thieves guild with that. Yeah, because you do get you do get uh, skill lines for for these different guilds. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think so. So yeah, like again, you know, the way that whole thing worked out was you know the more tension that you put on the pin, the the uh, lock pick will shake, and you got to you know sort of like figure out is this too much tension, and when do I take you know when do I ease off, and then so once you figure that out, the pin actually sticks, and then you could have you know three to four pins in there, and you, you get all the pins you know pushed down, and boom, the chest opens. Um, to me, there could have been another visual thing in there, you know, maybe maybe something that that uh, you know the pin starts to go from like you know um green to yellow to red when it's about to when it's about to pop you know maybe something uh, like that i i don't know that but wouldn't be to any me, help to me what's up that? <laughs> that wouldn't be any help to me <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's true you're colorblind <laughs> um but yeah i i'm a retard when it comes to lock picking anyway so you know who knows maybe i'm just wrong <laughs> yeah, maybe that a better audio cue yeah something that stays some- more on the, on the realistic terms Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, go ahead. So uh, that was the lock picking. Um, what what I loved about this was the fact that exploration and questing was completely seamless. Wait, sorry, can, can you say that again? Ex- <laughs> oh yeah, exploration shank and questing was utterly seamless. Yes, perfectly I need new pants. seamless. Um. Oh my god, that <laughs> reminds me so much that I gotta talk about now. <laughs> I thought this was gonna happen. Go ahead. Um, yeah, completely seamless. It didn't matter, and, and Dave's gonna go nuts about this, it didn't matter where each of us started from, we all wound up 
in in the same spot. Oh my god! I'm gonna have to interrupt Avarwin to tell my story. That Please. sucks. Go ahead. Okay. Sorry, Avarwin. You. I'm actually. This exactly happened to me when I was <clears throat> while I was with Lou. He picked one path. I picked another. Like he said, I'm gonna help this guy over here. I said, I'm gonna help this guy over there. But we went with each other, and we were still able to pick up the same quests along the way. Maybe for different reasons. But we were still able to pick up the same quest. He talked to the NPC that that I needed to talk to to advance the storyline. And the NPC said, hey, don't I know you from the ship? I'm going to help you out. So it actually worked so that no matter where you were, no matter who you were with, you could advance the storyline simultaneously with your friends. There was even one part with me and Lou where he had to kill this, this woman... Or, or we had to either kill her or save her. She was poisoned. Where I chose just to walk away and let her die, Lou chose to get antidote, antidote and give it to the lady. So it, it, it was it was great. Like it didn't matter how we chose to do this. But Nick Conkle came up. I think it was Nick Conkle said, "Well, since I chose to let the lady die, the lady won't be there later on in the story." to help me out in the quest line. Rather, the lady who poisoned the one who died will be there instead to help me out. And so that's, the, that's what they were saying when they said that your choices are going to matter to you. And everyone's saying, well, how can you do that in an MMO? And this is one of those instances where your choices are going to matter to you. One tiny little, little you know, example of that. But it's, it's pretty neat how the way they've set it up, they've set it up in such a way so that you can be with your friends and play with your friends without missing a beat. You'll be able to do everything with your friends. You'll be able to go through the same quests with your friends. But you still may have a completely, completely separate storyline. Yeah. And, and I still, love that. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's absolutely great. You know, um, I, I was watching the other screens from, from these guys next to me, and, and they were doing content, and I was like, oh, man, you know, these guys are in a Dwimmer room, and I really want to get there. But I wasn't going to take time out of my, my two hours to figure out how do I get inside that specific Dwimmer ruin. But wouldn't you know, I actually made it there eventually after doing, you know, quests my own way. And the Dwimmer ruin was, was absolutely fantastic. It was such a mm -hmm. fun experience. I felt like I was doing a Dwemer ruin in in Skyrim or or in in Oblivion. You know what, Ivar? I'm sorry to interrupt, but it, it's it sounds like that's from about like, time we got you a little bit into the show. Shank, interrupt all you want, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude. I'm just sitting here taking it in, man. I mean, I'm I'm like you know, I'm just trying to change my pants. Um, <laughs> It sounds like from from all of you guys, and uh, you know, I, I tried getting in this into the uh, the articles that we were writing up for the for the network, but uh, it, you know, it, it hit it's hit me really finally now. The world is there waiting for you, yeah. and you know, it's it's your if you want to go there and explore. I mean, it's waiting for you. So, I mean that that's the feeling that I'm getting from all your experiences in this game is that it's like you know what, dude. We lay this massive world at your feet. Do with it as you will, and you guess what? You'll be rewarded for it, no matter how you do it. 
That's exactly why they're going for a minimalistic look on the UI. They've put a ton of work into building this world and they want that to come through, not the UI. They keep saying one of their big designs, design philosophies, they want you to keep, keep looking at the world, not the UI, which is common in an MMO. When p- people play MMOs, usually they, Joe, I don't know about you, but when I play World of Warcraft or even Rift, I'm staring directly at my UI because I'm watching cooldowns. Yeah, I hardly remember any of the raids. <laughs> what it looked like. I remember my hot bars and my rotations, but I don't remember what the bosses yeah. looked like. Right. I it's- still remember my wrath rotation. Like, I could right now sit down and do my wrath rotation. Do I remember how to do any of the raids from wrath? Not a one. Um, what What's the rotation? Yes, yeah, that's, that's an evil word that was developed yeah. in MMOs. <laughs> it's... Um, the, the rotation is a is a out of date MMO thing, and and ESO their design philosophy is let's get the rotation out of the game and let's put the player in the game. Let's bring the world to the player, and having no rotation on your skills is just one way in which they do that. And having a minimalistic UI is one way they bring the world to you in a small way. And Shank, you're 100 percent right when they said they've built this world and you go and explore in it. And that's exactly how I felt, and that was the one thing I wanted to test in my gameplay, is will this world come to me if I make myself available to it? And it absolutely did. So so when you say, like, rotation, is that just, like, a skill that, like, you keep using over and over again? Or, like, because I, I, I don't know. I just, I've... I don't know what that is. <laughs> I think I think Joe was about uh, to explain yeah. it before I interrupted. <laughs> a rotation is like the ultimate, the ultimate, <laughs> the optimal um, skill set to do in a certain order to compensate yeah, for cooldowns to get the most damage out of your your skills. So you'd have your skills on your on your hot bar, like ten of them, and mm-hmm. you would have them in a list. Like I start with this spell every time. This is every time. I start with this spell, I move on to this one, I move on to this one. When this one's on cooldown, I move on to this one. If this one's on cooldown, I move on to this one, and repeat. So Until there's no, like, dynamic none. anything in that. That's what no. it is. It's rinse and repeat. That that's, sounds... that's a rotation. Like, literally, yeah. my, my rotation for my Archmage in Wrath was uh, one every second, four times, a fifth, every fifth put button press was two, and at the same time, I'm I already bored. Dave. I'm already bored. Three, four, five, and six. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I'm. That's it. I, I literally, I can still do it. And yeah. the thing is, when playing this game, that wasn't part of this game. Not at all. Let's let's be honest. You know this this is this isn't an MMO for every MMO fan out there because a lot of guys, a lot of MMO fans want want the rotation. They want the heavy UI. If you're listening. This isn't the MMO for you. This is an MMO for the Elder Scrolls fan. Simply put. I disagree. Okay. Because I'm the hardcore raider, and I found this to be beautiful. I'm a. I'm all about combat, and this was stunning. And if you like games, this is for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ivarlin, what what else would happen in your? You know, I mean, I, I guess I could I could go in and detail some some stuff that was going on inside the the Dwemer ruin, which I thought was absolutely epic. Uh, the the traps in there were a lot of fun. There were some timing traps. Um, the fact that 
you know, the the space I was in was true to life. You know, D- Dave had mentioned this hole that was that was in there. You could jump down the hole and you would be on the on the second floor. It's not like you had to zone out and zone back in. That wasn't in quotes second floor. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that was going on in that Dwemer ruin. The fact that the Dwemer constructs were working with themselves to defeat me, and I had to figure out. Should I engage the one I'm engaged with now, or should I engage the one that's charging up uh, so that it doesn't make this other guy I'm fighting with worse? Uh, but the fact is, is that um, the one thing that I was really into was the exploration and wandering around, and that it it, it felt better than it did in October, and it's going to feel better when this thing launches. Um, the game, the area that we were in, was the starter area. The damn area was too big for me to walk out of and experience higher level mobs outside of my my range in the two hour time limit I had in order to make that efficient. If I wanted to, I could have. But the fact is, is that there was there was a certain level range in that area. It was a tremendous area full of exploration. The game rewards you for exploring with with the um, what do they call those things, Joe? The sun shards. Sky shards? Yeah, sky shards. Sky shards. The game rewards you in exploration. I found on top of some freaking pillar somewhere <laughs> um, this uh, this chest with you know appropriate loot in there, an appropriate amount of, of currency in there. That was fun to find, and it was I just stumbled upon it, and I had to do you know like a platforming thing in order to get there. Um, I found that sun shard that a lot of us found. You collect three of them, you get an extra skill point without having to level up. So it, it definitely rewards you for exploration, and that's the number one thing for me because I feel like that's the number one thing for Elder Scrolls fans, and um, that's what makes the world feel alive. Exactly. Yeah. Anything else to cover? That's it, man. Well, <clears throat> I started out with my with a Red Guard, you know, my favorite race. Played my Dragon Knight, of course. Big shout out to Scotty D, Dragon Knight. But I I went dual wield. Um, Mostly. But then I found a destruction staff that was fire, and I wanted to give it a shot wearing heavy armor <laughs> as a Dragonite with a destruction staff, and it was epic. <laughs> the fireballs. Oh. I was mostly heavy armor, and I put in a f- I implemented with a few pieces of medium armor just to improve my guy a little bit. Wear a fit. So I, didn't, I wasn't worried about what kind of armor I was wearing. I think I even had one piece that was actually light armor. don't remember, but I was all over the place. Patchwork. I specced into Fire Chain. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was I was continually doing what I did last time and pulling in every single enemy and critter I can come across. And that's when Nick kind of hinted at the possibility of the epic achievement for skewering every critter in the game. I had my spike armor and I like Dave, I went out the mold and decided to go and put a skill point into my dual wield. Hmm. I unlocked an ability with that. It was an actual physical ability that when I hit my number three key, I would do like this like cross slash, like a scissor slash with my with my swords. It was actually an awesome. accent sword. It would do severe damage, but it also start a little bit of a dot on them as well. Like a bleed. like a bleed effect. Yeah, it was exactly a bleed effect. Awesome. Awesome. So I was constantly mixing and matching my abilities on this, and another one I got was like this fiery dragon claw. When I did it, it looked like a fiery claw swiping across the the person in front of me, and it created, it was very light damage on initial, but it had a heavy fire damage tick. Hmm. 
So I was using all those elements to really wipe out my enemy. What I what I did at first to try it out is I draw I dragged an enemy in with my with my claw with my chain. I'm sorry. Hit them with that dragon claw. Hit them with my my sword ability. Sat there, let them beat on me as I watched them die. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! I that's was so m- awesome mixing and matching. I had four people dead at my feet. I made I made sure Nick saw that. In one epic battle, it was. I am <laughs> unlike these guys. Okay, I went straight into the game. I hit randomized. I saw when it looked good. Oh wait, this guy has a uh, you know receding hairline. So I'm gonna get something that's actually decent. Changed his hair out, went right in the game, went right into combat. Picked the first quest, was out of town, was out in the wild, roaming the wilds. And I could not have had more fun. I love the combat in this game. The reason I love it is because of what you touched on, Ivarwin, and that's the strategy. Yeah. I was thinking about my... I didn't... It was incredible. I didn't have to worry about rotation. I was looking at the, the environment, what I was up against, who I was up against, and I was building how I was going to attack them based on that. And sometimes yeah. it was had to be a split second decision because I was in a situation where I was in these in a goblin mountain. It was like this goblin enc- encampment, and I had to go kill the goblin king, which was epic. Oh, I love that quest chain. Went in there, and I it was so diluted with goblins everywhere that I had to constantly be on my feet. I'd attack one group. I'd have an archer suddenly start hitting me from behind, so I'd turn around, drag him in, bleed him up, go after the next people, and it was just constant battle and my adrenaline was pumping the entire time I was in heaven. Yeah. That's the thing about the combat. It's active, it's reactive, and it's strategic. Exactly. It, you it, can't just go rushing in. It was like Skyrim, but at a more of a fast pace. It felt yeah. more fast paced to me. And I love that. It works so well. Yeah. I did not not once look at my heart bar. I didn't even have it up. I I did put up eventually because I want to see my skills and how I was arranging them for my one, two, and three and four. So I, I organized my skills based on what they did, and so I didn't. It, I didn't have to memorize what I was using. I already knew, and it was just a constant go, go, go. And I remember having to use my magic. But one of the thing is like Nick was constantly hovering over behind us, waiting for one of us to ding. I finally dinged. <laughs> he wouldn't tell me why. You're gonna love it. You gotta see his new system. You're gonna love it. Yeah. And I dinged. Okay. He ran over to my keyboard and grabbed my mouse. Like this is what this is. This this this. And he showed me the entire layout. It was so. It was more excited for us to level up than we were. Exactly. <laughs> like, okay, Nick, I'm working on. I'm working on it. And it was like the funny thing is, I leveled up right in the middle of a wolf fight. I still had one more wolf, and he was trying to take over my kill. No, I'm trying to kill him. Finally, it was all over. And the way the skills work, what I noticed about my character and then what you described, Ivarwin, mm-hmm. and what they described is that it seems like a very common placement with each class is that you have the three skill trees, but they all have a very similar layout. My first one was all magic based. Every one of those skills in my first tree, the, the the dragon tree, had everything to do with magic. Every single skill in that took magic. The second tree was more of a melee combat style, and everything in that, well, it was actually the, that was more of a tankish one. The third one was the melee style one, and everything in that took stamina to use. So I was able to either build myself more magic style, which was what I found myself doing, I was building my guy for more magic, so I started putting my points more into magicka. And as I was doing that, I was actually casting more spells, if you will, that, as a Dragon Knight. That blows my mind because the Dragon Knight is is a is uh, when you when you first look at it, it looks like a heavy armor melee type of DPS damage mm-hmm. per second character. And here you are, you're like re-strategizing because you're thinking, you know what's going to work better for my build? More Magicka. 
And you know what? What what drove me to that was I was having more fun with those abilities that I wanted. It it, it my natural way of wanting to play it drove me that path. That's so cool. Yeah, I think that's exactly the point of this game too. Another thing that really drove my combat and how I played it was the finesse system. And the finesse system is how well you do in combat, you get bonus loot. Okay? So if you did oh, yeah. if you did really well, your XP bar would flash saying good job or whatever, and you got bonus loot, like sometimes three times the gold. So what really def- what defined this is I didn't wasn't told this, I figured this out for myself while I was doing this, trying to get that really good bonus loot. Not only how fast you kill the enemy, that didn't play into it only but a portion. But how you would dodge them, and you, you, you had to use both offensive and defensive strategies perfectly in a fight for it to get you the finesse bonus. So the more I dodged, the more I interrupted, the more I used my attacks in tandem, the more bonus loot I got. And it was very, very rewarding to me, and I had to really focus on the fight to make sure I was doing the best fight possible to get that bonus. And mm. looking to the areas, the Dwimmer Ruins were amazing. Loved them. I was getting all giddy poking Yvar when, look, they're doing the charge up ability. They're doing it. <laughs> As one of the little spiders was charging up, the other one's going over to it. So I had to go kill the guy charging up and then kill him. It was, yeah. <sighs> that was the first time that, that we've played that type of encounter. You know, in October, we saw that, that, uh, that demo with uh, Paul and Nick, but we never played that, that type of encounter where, an, you know, an enemy worked with another enemy in order to, to try and, and kill us. Yeah, and it was absolutely seamless. It felt good. Uh, it felt challenging. It, you know, I had to apply on-the-fly strategy. The battle changed, and and I was fighting the same type of enemy in that Dwimmer ruin, but from one encounter to the next, depending on my environment and how many of these things I was fighting and the timing between them, every encounter was completely different. It was the exact same enemy. Right. It felt that way, and... We have to thank Maria for that. <laughs> Maria, I'm proud of that probably since you, what, responsible creature yeah. uh, AI, monster AI. Do you know what yeah. really freaked me out in Doomer Ruins was when I came across my first Doomer Sphere? Yeah! Oh my god! I was panicking. Like, um, is this guy going to kill me? That and thing I was, was a beast. really thinking about how am I going to kill this guy without getting myself killed. I pulled it off. He only took half my life. But it was so cool. <laughs> It was now, so question awesome. for you all: How good is the uh, the peace tactic in uh, you know just running away? That I depends. Um, <laughs> if you were sneaking into that point and you still have a crowd of enemies behind you, piecing out is going to be more like piecing your life away. <laughs> I, I, I would like to say that Lou tried that. Yes, um, we were in the town with all the pirates, and he he decided that. He wanted to say something about someone's promiscuous mother or something. It was it was crazy, <laughs> but uh, they ended up being pissed, and they were all like, you "said what?" and they all like just ran all up to him. And he was like, "No!" and ran away. And I saw him. I was like on a roof watching him run and flail his arms as he ran out of town, and they just followed him and ate him. Right mm-hmm. in MMO terms, Jank, no, the mobs did not leash, meaning they reached a certain point. And they run back and re- regenerate. No, no, they're gonna follow you. I it's want all your one blood. big happy zone. They're going to follow you. Yeah, and kill you. So I, I, I found two of those quests that you had to use, or they suggested you use the disguises. One yes, of them, those were. Fun. Yeah, one of them being the pirate cove. The other one I don't remember. 
the Pirate Cove was epic. I loved every minute of being in that. I did every quest I could, <laughs> slaughtered everything I could find. I didn't care about the skies or the hairy chest. I just wanted to kill everything. <laughs> or the hairy chest. <laughs> and that's what I did. Pirates galore were dead. Um, it was just way, way too much fun. The, the Wimpy Orc quest was fantastic. I loved it. I remember yeah. coming across Lou as he was finishing up right at the same point I was. Well, I didn't know it was with the, at that time. And that's another point when I tried out different strategies and how did, like, the uh, the aggro work, because it's not really aggro. I want to know how I was able to get the attention of the mom, because when we actually game launches, I want to be more that tank-type, come-get-me type style. So I was trying that out with this mage character over there that was doing this massive damage, getting the attention of this monster all the time. And it played out to where I had to really get that monster attention by getting in front of him, beating him up, and trying to draw his attention away from my, my little caster buddy over there, which I did find out was Lou. Wound up nearly killing me, but we beat him. And we both got credit, we both got XP. Was epic. I mean, everything about that, every little bit of quest, it was so so compact. That island at first seemed small, but when I got out there and explored it, it was huge. And it was only like a little level five, five level starting area. Yeah. I was level five, killing, beating on level two things, and it, I was having the time of my life. I didn't care. And it was still challenging. It was still fun. I can't praise this game enough. I can't, you know, one of the things that the devs asked us to do was come up with uh, negative points. I mean, lockpicking being one of them, the Q key, all minor stuff. But the biggest point is that they need to work on is it's not out yet. (laughs) So let's get that point fixed. Is it a max? I I went on long enough. Um, Any last thoughts before we go on to Shank's play? I think it's going to take, you know, more hands-on time in order to find, you know, where uh, points of growth are in this game. Because we're not saying it's a perfect game. We're just saying that it's done so well that we haven't found anything yet. Yeah. That's huge, anyway. I'm pretty sure there were quests that I did that the guys didn't find and vice versa in the island. And it wasn't so much about the quest. It was just me going out there and having a blast. And that's the way it was for the guys, too. We tried different things. Every, every All four of us had a completely different play experience, even though we started in the exact same spot. And only in that brief two hours, it was completely different. Which, in and of itself, if you think about it, for an MMO, is a very, win. It's very uncommon. Yeah. Extremely uncommon. <laughs> all right. Shank, not ESO gameplay. Yo. So... <laughs> Dude, I, I'm, I'm surprised. Throughout the whole thing, I didn't hear anything about parkouring. Um, anyway. Yeah, you've already mentioned it. We're going for this chest. Oh, that's true. All right, all right. There yeah, you go. Yeah, a little platforming right there. <laughs> by by so, the way, Shank, thanks for, thanks for bringing this you know, back to some of the, the tried and true uh, games out there that, that our fans do do love hearing about on top of some of this ESO talk. So, Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> My pleasure. So what happened was, you know, all the guys, they were at PAX East, and I was like, you know what, kind of want to just, uh, you know, we still have fans out there that are, you know, hungry for Elder Scrolls because there's like all Elder Scrolls fever going on. Oh, my God. So I said, you know what, why I'm going to try and live stream every night this weekend. So I did. I live streamed Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. Friday, I did a uh, awesome two-hour uh, Skyrim live stream, and I think actually Dave and uh, Bradford dropped in on there for a little bit, 
And then sure did. Yeah. And then uh, the next couple ones, I did an Oblivion live stream. And here's why I t- picked Oblivion. In Elder Scrolls Online, we know that Cyrodiil is going to be the, you know, the PvP area, and it's going to be, you know, a very, very hot main point of contention, and there's going to be a lot of tug and tug of uh, tug of war going on between the various factions. But what really caught my eye, or my ear, I should say, was when I heard uh, that they were taking the oblivion, the Cyrodiil height map, and the height map, what the height map is, is for a game, is the actual, you know, geographical layout. Then they're taking that from Oblivion and using that as, you know, a model for ESO. And I was like, oh, my God, I need to go back in there and play this right now. So <laughs> I jumped in there and I was playing my Khajiit Thief and uh, his uh, her name, I should say, is Avarwin. And <laughs> she... <laughs> she <laughs> what? You named the Khajiit Thief Ivarwin. Yeah, dude, because uh, you had a uh, you made a uh, Argonian, I believe, named Shank, who the is, who, who was awesome until I deleted him, <laughs> as you should. <laughs> <laughs> but I had a, a Khajiit thief named Varwin, and uh, you know when I loaded up my save, I was actually in Coral after I'd done a huge wandering around session. So I looked at my quest and I was like, I had to go back down to Leywen for Adarji's heirloom, and you know for those of you that have played Oblivion and know the map. Coral and Leywin are like about as far away as you can get on the map. Um, so of course I walked there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course, why not? This this took me about an hour. I, that's not an exaggeration. It literally took like it's like an hour long, which is why, sick. Why wouldn't you walk there? <laughs> exactly. No, that's you know what? That's exactly why wouldn't you walk there? Why wouldn't you walk there? So the whole point about this quest is that you need to go steal this ring from Countess Alessia of Leowin. Um, bonus points if you know who Alessia actually is. Uh, and this is actually you know one of my favorite quests because the ring is in the jewelry box in her bedchambers, okay? You need to go through a secret passage to get to her bedchambers. Oh, but what's in the secret passageway? Yeah. An Argonian torture chamber! Woo! <laughs> So I was wicked stoked. I love this quest because uh, <laughs> it's it's just I hate Argonians. Um, so anyway, I got the ring and I returned it. Got some money. Welcome and got, to the Argonian torture chamber. Yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty much, man. I mean, there were like bones and blood everywhere. It was, it was great. Disgusting. Um, and then <laughs> and then I got to uh, I got the quest to. Um, you know, there's a, the main antagonist of the Thieves Guild is Hieronymus Lex. And I won't say why, but he just, you know, he's the main antagonist. He's like a policeman, Imperial Watch guy. So we have to, you know, get him out of the Waterfront District. And what is one of the ways to do it? Well, why not get the mages to kind of kick him out and get pissed off at him? So one of the quests, you have to basically stage a heist. Dude, you have to sneak all the way up into the Archmage's quarters when he's sleeping, when there's like a million people in that tower. You have to sneak into there, grab the ice staff, and put a note in the like um, little dresser thing that's from the Gray Fox saying, hey, you know, we know this, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I love that quest because it's, it's a very, very, you know, sneaky thief. Like you have to be very careful kind of quest. Did that. It was awesome. The Mages Guild got pissed at the Hieronymus Lex. Shank got his reward. All was pretty cool. 
So then walked back down to Bravel, had to go steal a book. All right, you know, that's what's up. I'm down with stealing books because I don't know how to read. <laughs> that's what's up. <laughs> so, <laughs> walked Skin God from Bravel, of course. Like, of course, like Varwin, like you said, why wouldn't you walk, you know? Why? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, walked over there and uh, had to go steal a book and go after this dude named Theranus. And I was like, yo, where's Theranus? And this Argonian jail was like, yo, bro, he's, uh, he's, he's dead. Awkward. Uh, so, Ken, he was, then the Argonian was like, yo, I can tell you where he hid the book if you break me out of jail. And I was like, ah, fine. So I had to grudgingly break him out of jail, man. This was horrible because I don't like Argonians. Broke him out of jail, but he held up his word, got the book. And now I'm on my way to Anvil to basically um, – forge a letter from a certain stranger for those of you who have played oblivion you know who the stranger is but uh uh if you haven't gotten this far or you know somehow haven't played it mm-hmm. i won't tell you anymore about uh who the stranger is or what his um motivations are but uh it's it's very very the the thieves guild starts getting very very good at this point so if you have oblivion i highly recommend doing the thieves guild because it's basically my favorite guild i've ever played um, so, I mean, all in all, it was a lot of Thieves Guild questing and wandering around. And I, I got to say, guys, you know, after playing so much Sky, and this is a, not a complaint by any means, but it's more of like, a, you know, just a reminder for myself, you know, after playing Skyrim for so long, for all, like a year and a half plus, you know, coming back to Oblivion felt like I was playing the game for the first time. I... I know, yeah, I know exactly how you feel about that because, you know, even though Skyrim is amazing, I love Skyrim personally, and it's what really, really introduced me to Elder Scrolls. You know, I've played the other games in the past, too, on on my Xbox, but Skyrim sold it for me, and then I went back. Um, After playing that game for a long time and then going back to the other Elder Scrolls games, I mean, you, you heard it on the show. For a long time, it was like I didn't really want to go back to Skyrim because I was having so much fun in Oblivion and Morrowind. It was ridiculous. Oh yeah, and I mean it's 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 amazing because I was you know had a great time with uh, you know Brian and uh, Bradford in the chat room and with the rest of the you know people that joined us. I mean it was just the game holds up so well after all these years and even more so if you're playing Morrowind you know like you get that same feeling and it's just amazing because you know you pick up the controller or keyboard and mouse or whatever get in the world and you are in the world for the next hour or so and you're completely convinced so um like I said in one of my tweets you know I think I'm going to be uh playing for my for my uh play of the week i think i'm going to be focusing more on oblivion uh, than skyrim just because you know i'm i'm completely in love with it again so mm. there you go guys awesome fantastic can i just can i just throw in this one little note very quickly yeah. um since i've upgraded my computer i can now live stream these games without a problem oh nice cool. yeah so expect some expect some live streams coming out for me uh you know very shortly as well Alright guys, we're about an hour and 45 minutes into our recording, so we're going to have to get through these next parts really quick. We're not going to be doing any emails this week, guys, I'm sorry. We will definitely get to your emails next week's episode, but uh, we've got Ask Us Anything Combat 2, so we're going to have to power through this, (laughs) Power through it, and highlight certain points where it needs to be, but you know, we'll do our thing. Mm -hmm. Um, As usual, Ivarwin, here we go. 
Here we go. Will we be able to easily determine what type of armor, heavy, medium, light that an enemy player character is wearing before we attack them? My guild intends to concentrate on sniping behind enemy lines, and we expect that armor will factor into our initial target selection. And they say the answer to this is light armor, medium armor, and heavy armor all have distinctive looks. There are also many types of levels of armor. For example, there are different levels of orcish armor in light, medium, and heavy. Our goal is certainly to have you be able to tell what armor someone is wearing at a glance. But that'll come more easily the longer you play because there are so many possible combinations. I think that one thing they're going to have to also figure in is that people are going to be wearing a mixture of armor. Yeah. Not just some type, so it could even be more difficult. And I don't think that armor is going to really play into it at all. Right, because, again, that nullifies the fact that you can't pigeonhole players now into, oh, that's a tank, that's DPS, that's healer. No, because, uh, oh, I didn't mention this during one of my playthroughs. Yeah, I was a plate-wearing mage, by the way, folks. I had a breast uh, my playthrough at the community event. Yeah, I had a heavy breastplate, cloth boots, cloth gloves. So, yeah, wielding a staff. And the next question, while holding down the mouse button to perform a more powerful attack, how would that affect mobility? For example, could I run toward the target wielding a sword and hold down my mouse my mouse key to load up the sword swing to be released when I get close enough? Or would my character start walking or slow down when loading the attack, vice versa? Could I walk while holding my shield up? And the answer is, you can move while charging a heavy blow. Blocking consumes stamina, and you can only walk while blocking. So yes, you could begin charging a heavy attack with a sword while not in range of an enemy. Move into range, and then hit the enemy with the attack when you release it. Quick comments? Alright, next question. You stated in your last Ask Us Anything that, essentially, weapons bring certain skills with them, but does your weapon of choice have any effect on your class skills? For example, are the effects and effects range of class spells the same regardless of whether my character wields a dagger or a longbow? Class spells have a range independent from the weapon you have equipped. That said, it's a very good idea to keep your weapon range in mind when selecting what abilities you want to use on your shortcut bar. Weapon abilities, on the other hand, can only be used while the appropriate weapon is equipped. You can slot them at any time, but they will be grayed out if you aren't wielding the correct weapon. There may have been some question as to weapons determining the shortcut bar, but they do not. However, weapon swapping is set up in such a way that you have one shortcut bar for each of your two weapons, active and backup. The shortcut bars will switch when you switch weapons, but again, you can populate either bar with any abilities you like. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, this is good. It just explains how how kind of uh, how loadouts work and how well you can, uh, you know, customize your character. Exactly. I have always been a fan of sneaking, stabbing, and assassinating. Previously, in the Elder Scrolls series, there was an... What? <laughs> That's a lot to admit, you know? <laughs> yes, I enjoy being a murderous psychopath. How was your day? <laughs> How was your day? Right. This exactly. guy's got to be awesome during speed dating. <laughs> Previously, in the Elder Scrolls series, there was an indicator which told me if the enemy was aware that I was there. There is. If they knew where I was... And if they had no idea, I was right behind them with a dagger going for their neck. 
How will you handle the sneaking <laughs> system in the Elder Scrolls Online? This is handled in a very similar way to Skyrim. Your crosshairs change to an eye, and it closes to show if you are hidden. When it opens a bit, it shows that enemies are looking for you. If you melee attack an enemy from behind while successfully hidden, you get a bonus to that attack. We also have disguises in the game. Disguises work by allowing you to put them on. This will make some normally hostile monsters neutral to you. You will see disguised instead of hidden in your crosshairs. Detection will be very similar. I played around a lot with sneaking, and it yeah. felt just like Skyrim. Yeah. It was very, very easy to tell when I was noticed and when I was not. I was noticed more yeah, often than I, not because my sneak sucked. <laughs> All right, any more comments? It, you're right. It's very easy. Very easy to tell when you're disguised or when you're uh, hidden and when you're not hidden. All right, next question. I was wondering if there are perk trees to specific skills, like knowing beforehand what skills can be unlocked so you could prepare yourself, grinding for some XP. Once you have a skill, you can see every spell and passive that can be unlocked by mastering it. However, you won't have every skill on your character initially. For instance, there is a Mage's Guild skill line. Until you join that Mage's Guild... You can't see the line or the abilities in it. I'm going to do every single one of them. Every one of yeah. them. My next question is, can I join all of these guilds at the same time? And I think the answer to that is yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Man. <laughs> yeah. Um, for, just, just for a Templar, like a healing ability, if, like, if you can join the Mage's Guild and there's like a healing tree for these guys, I mean, that's just going to be great. <laughs> I was thinking about my Dragonite having one of those uh, fire runes. Yeah. That's what Nick says is going to be in the game for everyone to use. Woot. The explosive oh. fire runes. <laughs> <laughs> in most MMOs, the healers get left out of PvP rewards simply for the lack of DPS. My question is, does ESO follow suit, or is it a strict healer reward com- comparably to an equally skilled DPS character, does a healer have a chance at becoming Emperor? While you can take on the role of the healer at any time, it's still important to mention that you could be a very effective healer and still have plenty of damage dealing available to you. For the sake of argument, let's say you are, in quotes, geared up for healing. You can absolutely gain alliance points by healing your allies. And yes you have a chance to become emperor. Guys, PvP guys, okay? Listen to me closely. You have to keep in mind this game is built differently. You are not going to be a strict DPS, a strict tank, and a, or a strict healer. You are, If you want to play this game effectively, you are going to have to adopt the mentality that I will be a mixture of all of these in order to support myself and my party, whether it's in, in PvP or PvE, the right way. You know, when you said listen closely, I actually put my head towards my mic like I was actually going to hear you better. <laughs> that was a double fail. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, charisma. Ten points. <laughs> well, I'll just add to that, to the answer, the fact that in most MMOs, heals get left out of PvP rewards simply for like a DPS. That's because the PvP team designed that poorly by not taking that into account. Say, oh, well, we have a trinity going in the system. Well, what are we going to have the healers? Jack, squat. Yeah. So why would I want to heal PvP if I know I get nothing out of it? <laughs> exactly. That's a sign of a bad... Yeah, bad design. Period. Uh, 
see, a lot of people are going to get out of that mold of thinking of an, a typical MMO. That's just not what this is. Man, it's hard. It's I know it's hard, but it it's it's very hard until you actually get your hands on it. When you get your hands on yeah. it, everything makes sense. Yep. And as well, this, think, huh? No, okay, Joe. I was saying as as the beta progresses and more people get into it and they get their hands on closer to launch, it's going to become very. Everyone's going to realize this finally. Agreed. Uh, you have something to say, Lou? Oh yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to drop back there. Um, I just want to say, it, I think the key word I'm looking, I used to describe as flexibility. Yeah, yeah. People have to be, yeah. they have to adopt the mindset now. Is you have to be flexible. You can no longer just pigeonhole yourself into tank, heal, DPS, tank, heal. No, it's yeah. I, if I want to play or actually dominate in this style, I have to be able to invest in the other two because. From what I've seen on the, on the playthrough so far, yeah, you have to be careful of all three. You have to work on all three. Now, maybe not as hard on the other two, but you can't just leave them yeah. alone. If you let them wither and die in the vine, you're going to feel it. I think you, the I mean, the big thing there is to get rid of that stipulation of a role. That word of a role doesn't work for Elder Scrolls Online. Having to fit into a role. Because your role in Elder Scrolls Online is whatever you want it to be. Alright, next question. What I don't like in some other games is that most abilities seem to just do damage. I like utility. Spell reflection, disarm, intervene. On a damage utility ratio, how would you say ESO fares? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I can't even hold that one back. Oh, go for it. Go for it. The vast majority of abilities are focused on utility rather than damage, and the weapon, light, and heavy attacks just do damage when that's what you need. There are a few spells that do bonus damage in specific situations, but for the most part, you'll want to select abilities for their situational value. This includes abilities like heals, spell reflection, casting a light source, stuns, intercepting attacks, summoning pets, and more. Alright, Dave, go ahead. Uh, damage to utility ratio? Yes. <laughs> like, everything has a, a second use. Like, every spell I had actually did something else also. My my lightning attack also had splash damage. My, my attack that I could hit an enemy, deal damage to him, also uh, froze them to the ground. My... You know, everything. Everything. Even if it's not that way at first, when your spells evolve, it can gain that ability. Everything! Yeah, even my little fiery chain, the main purpose is to pull my enemies in, which is a very good utility for me, for my situation, but it also did damage on impact. And as I leveled up that chain, it did more damage upon impact. Alright. Hey, guess what? Yeah. Everything! Okay, Dave, we got it. Everything. I have never played an Elseworlds game before, but I do enjoy playing MMO games with friends. Will I be able to play this game, or will I be hopelessly lost because I have no background knowledge? <gasps> you, you won't need previous knowledge from Elder Scrolls games to play the Elder Scrolls Online. You should just be able to jump in and play. Yeah, it's like that. And let me, okay, right here, this next question is one of my favorite one of this entire thing. Is an arrow to the knee a killing blow? Only in Star Trek VI. Yes! Boom. <laughs> Who gets that? Well, who gets the joke? Come on. Uh, very good, very good. Captain Kirk for the win. <laughs> That's right. 
If anyone's seen Star Trek Six, they'll get the, the, the dead's answer. That's right. <laughs> Will you be able to block with other weapons besides a shield? Does blocking block all damage, or is it just damage reduction? Can ranged physics, or can ranged physical and magic spells be blocked? Thank you. You will be able to block with all weapons, though a shield is the most effective. Blocking doesn't block all damage, and is far less effective if you are out of stamina. Ranged physical attacks and spell projectiles can be mitigated with a block, but all other magic will go right through. You have the chance to interrupt some magic spells, though. Yeah, pretty much. Having six usable abilities at any time is much less than than visual... Visually, okay, I messed it whole up. Having six usable abilities at any time is much less than virtually all other MMOs. How does ESO plan to keep combat engaging and reward skillful play with so few abilities? God, yeah, uh, it's uh, look, it's done. <laughs> it's it it happened. Uh, their answer is our shortcut shortcut bar is a tool more than a means to define our combat. Our combat is based more on what you're seeing in the world and how you react to situations. Combat stays engaging because situations change, requiring you to think about what you're seeing in front of you. It is probably much easier to think of the combat from Oblivion and Skyrim than more common MMO system. Sorry, I'm really happy. Yeah. Oh, that's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly how it feels. Yeah, I mean, this is oh, very refreshing to see that Zoss is actually adopting this style of play with ESO. Because, yeah, as we went back, to, just to go back to our previous point with the, ro- the rotation, you know, that really doesn't work if the monsters or whatever you're trying to kill can move, dodge, block, do its own thing. It's like, oh, well, your rotation's now out the door. <laughs> because now you actually have to think what, what's happening. Or react to it. If you hear all our playthroughs tonight, you got that. We already answered all that. And then some. I found in the past that one of the make or break elements of an MMORPG is how they handle crowd control. And again, it's something we asked. Yeah. What types of crowd control, like root snares, stuns, mesmerize, are you going to leave in the game and how, or have in the game, and how important will they be in both PvP and PvE scenarios? Perhaps it's better to go into the philosophy behind crowd control. Yes, we will have crowd control, stuns, roots, snares, etc. However, we know it isn't fun to be on the receiving end of these. Provided you have enough stamina, you can usually get out of a CC, crowd control, situation and have temporary immunity after. But if you have been using your stamina for other things, you may not be able to extricate yourself. And if I may, go ahead. Uh, with this one, I think when we uh, spoke to to Brian Wheeler about this, he said uh, he reiterated that point directly. Yes, they are going to be CCs, and as long as you have the stamina, pressing both your mouse buttons at the same time, you're going to get out of it, no matter what. So if some war, if you're a light armor wearing cloth caster up against an Avarwin heavy armor wearing paladin. And he CCs you as long as you got the stamina. Doesn't matter what you know that that CC hits you, you can get out of it. This this plays in the whole point, like I was trying to emphasize earlier, is you have to think on both elements. You have to think about defense and offensive equally in this game. You just can't rush in, try and do as much damage as possible, thinking you're going to take anything down. Right, and and this goes to what I said that earlier about you know if you're 
If you're a hardcore MMO fan, this may not be the game for you as far as PvP is concerned because a lot of PvP fans like stun locking. That old, very frustrating ability where someone just walks up to you, hits you once, hits you, you know, two or three times after that, and you are completely disabled from doing anything. There's a lot of people that enjoy doing that. If that's you, you may not enjoy this. But the fact is, is that the receiving end of it, you got to be fair. And, and it looks like ESO is going to, to implement that, that fairness. But fairness with a caveat, be smart about it. It takes stamina to break out. You use up your stamina trying to close the distance on a mage. Guess what? When you get up to him, he's going he's gonna to root you, walk back, and pile drive you with a, with a spell in your face. <laughs> it's, yeah. I've already been picturing that in my head as how I would approach a PvP situation in particular. Is trying to wear them down and then stun them. Not just try to stun them right away. Right. And then, you know, of course, the immunity thereafter. You know, the diminishing return factor that's there. It's like, oh, well, you can't be chain-stunned five times in a row from five well, people. according to Nick in the interview, there's not much of a diminishing... There's no real diminishing returns. Oh, okay. So, it's all based on stamina and magic. So, there's n- that's that's your diminishing return right there. Because you mm-hmm. will run out. Right, right. Until those resources, you know, regenerate on their own and build up. So, you have to play it smart. Alright, any last thoughts? ESO has been talking about how it will have high-density content in zones to keep players busy, but will there be any areas such as the Akir Desert being a good candidate that will purposely be left more sparse to force exploration into the expansive unknown, containing hidden treasures for those who can brave the area long enough to discover them? I, for one, would love to travel out in one direction of that desert hoping to come across a hidden dungeon. Content really works better on cadences. Some areas which have less content and some areas which have more. We will definitely have a good cadence in all of our zones. And exploration is something which benefits everyone. That sums it up pretty well, I think. Yeah. Shane's all excited. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that wraps up the uh, questionnaire. Any last comments on all of it, guys? Yeah, exploration. That, right. That, that, that's okay. it. <laughs> All right. Utility for everything. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> no diminishing returns. Yay. I hate, I hate diminishing no returns. No resilience. No separation of gear. <laughs> exactly. All that stuff that we all hated in MMOs, gone. Now, I'm pretty sure that as the game is close to launch, there might be some things that bug us because you can't please everybody all the time. But from my experience and from what I'm pretty sure these guys will say the same thing they are listening to us as a whole and they are making it an Elder Scrolls game and that's the first and foremost thing I can say about this game completely agreed alright initial beta invites have been sent yeah um, just just to interject for, for a moment here um, just as a reminder right, we are following the development of patch 1.9 two consoles um, however, at last mention on Bethblog, they are trying to get the patch out by the end of this month. Uh, no development, no news yet on progress, or if a release will come from one console versus another, or if it'll have a simultaneous release. You know, I talked to Grandstaff about this. Oh, what did he say? Um, they got approval. Okay. For the consoles, and he said it's going to be happening soon. Great. So hopefully they'll be able to hit that... Uh the end of the month, beginning of April. Uh, yeah, he, say, he says it's on target for that right now. Good. Sweet. Awesome. So soon. 
Soon. Soon. Did he happen to mention that it was going to go to one console versus another, or if they're doing a simultaneous release? Simultaneous is what I was getting. Nice. Um, yeah, he... I, f- I forgot all about that conversation. I feel so bad now. Yeah, I talked to Grandstaff when we first arrived there, but I, was, I think what it was was I was still overwhelmed by everything as I was talking to him. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he mentioned the fact that they found a bug in the 1.9 patch for the PC, and they were able to patch it right away and get it fixed, and that's all going to be fixed in the console version as well. Cool. Um, so, guys, back to the beta invites. Yeah. Check your email inbox. Check your junk folder because the first round went out. Mind you, it is a select few. Not a lot of people, from what I can understand. I don't know for sure, but that's the kind of impression I got. This is a closed beta, and you got to keep that in mind. Not everyone's going to get in. So even if you didn't get in this round, keep your eyes on your email. There's going to be a lot more rounds to go. This is this is actually the one that you don't... I mean, even though everyone wants to wants to play the game... Um, these these initial betas in the beginning part of the year here, these aren't the ones that are that are the most fun. The ones that are the most fun are toward the end of the year, closer to launch, where everyone's in at the same time, and you're going to be playing a lot with those with everyone at the same time. Those are the fun ones. You know, early betas are like are basically more like work. You're not really playing the game. You're in the game. You're running around in the game. You're doing stuff. But if you find a bug, you have to report it. That's what you're there for. You're there to do work. You're not there to just play the game and walk away and be like, yeah, okay, whatever, I'll buy it when it comes out. No. Like, no. If you're in the beta, please, if you see a bug, fill out a bug report. That's what you're there for. You've gotta you've gotta do some work and you gotta help out because, you know, it's a privilege to be in, in a beta, but you know, you gotta you gotta help the community out and, and give us a hand. So Congratulations, and uh, I hope everyone makes it effective. Um, there was something that, that uh, Zenimax did say, and, and I quote, This is a small wave of invitations, so don't be discouraged if you didn't receive one this time. We have plenty more to send out. Our beta test continues. Don't forget to check your spam folder just in case your invitation was caught. Um, let me see here. I got some information from the chat room to mm-hmm. add to all this, and this actually came in from GStaff himself. What? Uh, he says, specific to these forums, we remind you that by participating in the beta, you must adhere to the beta's non-disclosure agreement. Beyond saying that you got into the beta, that's exciting and fun, we ask that no details of the beta be discussed within the forums. Or, or, or anyone else. So, you they're saying here you're allowed to say that you're in the beta, but nothing else. Yeah, beyond saying that you got in the beta, we ask that you that no um, details be in beta. I actually discussed. got... Hang on. So... Just be careful about when you say when you're getting the beta. Hopefully, I'll get my invite soon. Just uh, for those of you who got in, enjoy it. I thought I saw on the beta site that you weren't allowed to. Well, I'll play it safe. Yeah, play it safe. <laughs> just in case we uh, we do make mistakes on the show. <laughs> just in hey, case. I was just reading what, what G staff said himself from his post. All right, that's all I'm okay. doing. All right. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'll tell you right now. I'm not saying one way either way. If it ever comes to get me, um, I signed up for the beta, and that's as much as I'm ever going to say about it. Yeah, fair enough. That's pretty much our our <laughs> personal model on the show. Is we've already discussed as a group that even if we got in the beta, 
we're just not even going to bother whether we got on saying if we got on or not. It's just that's for us between us and both and Zenimax. So, alrighty, guys, is uh, did I just butcher all that, or are we good to go? I think we're good. We got uh, another thing coming up, right? Yep, we got a developer question of the week. These are always fun. So here we go. Yeah. My name's Daniel Bean, and I'm a customer service manager here at Zenimax Online Studios. We recently hosted our second preview event where members of the press got to sit down and play the game. What information from the event coverage are you most excited about, and why? And your answers, gentlemen. Wow. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There was a lot of information. It's uh, really hard to nail it down. (laughs) Yeah, I have absolutely no answer for this. Uh, yeah, I mean... I do. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Full first person. I am so stoked for that. And that's what convinced me. We've been talking about it all night. That's what's convinced me. Zenimax listens, not only listens, but genuinely acts on what their fans care about. That is all I have to say. That's a good answer. I, I <laughs> want to say one thing on that exact point to Shank. I absolutely, there's a button, V, on the keyboard, flips you in and out of first person. Oh, my God. It is absolutely a quick key on the keyboard to bring you from full third to full first person so you can get in there and pick up that wine bottle off that table and then turn around and stab that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Sick. All right. There you go. There you go. We we covered this extensively uh, last week. We've done it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have anything to say on that before we move on to your lore segment? No, I got nothing. All right, fair (laughs) enough. All right, Lou, it's time for The Elder Scroll. Thank you very much, sir. And today I thought we'd revisit again the mysterious land, or not the mysterious land, of Daggerfall. And as we know, it's one of the oldest and largest cities in High Rock. And it's long been called its capital. And it was one of the largest kingdoms of the land before being conquered by the Septim Empire. For those who may not be familiar, the city-state of Daggerfall is located at the southern end of the province of High Rock. It takes its place at the very cape of a huge peninsula that separates Iliac Bay from the Altheric Ocean. This position has always ensured Daggerfall's success in trade in in the early and middle First Era. However, north of Daggerfall lies the Alessan Hills. Daggerfall is bordered with Taloon, Glenpoint, and Shalgora. However, it has been home for its conflicts with the Iliac Bay cities as Orsinium, Wayrus, and Sentinel. Hmm, those sound familiar? And south of Daggerfall lies a little island called Bethany. Now, where to begin? At the beginning, the Merthic Era, where some archaeological evidence suggests that some form of human settlement had existed in the area of Daggerfall at least a thousand years before the advent of recorded history. This suggests that what is now known as the city-state of Daggerfall started as a settlement of Needs, and the Needs were the first race of man from Atmora, who are now extinct. That land sound familiar? It should be. Oh, yes. The first era, the first recorded use of the name Daggerfall, was known around the first era, the year 264, when the north half of the Illic Bay, the current province of High Rock, was conquered by the invading Nords. 
who had brought a rough sort of civilization with them. Yes, rough. Civilization, Nords. I see the connection. <laughs> the Book of Life, which was performed at the Nord Conqueror, suggests that Daggerfall had a population of exactly 216 people by this time. But Daggerfall thrived during the years of the Nordic occupancy. In the first era, year 369, they engaged in the War of Succession, and the Nords lost their grip over High Rock. The Iliac Bay had become strategically important, and the men of Daggerfall began to expand militarily. Daggerfall would take part in several conflicts, especially the Dereni conflicts against the Alessian Order. Raven Dereni, the Enchantress, whose magic helped secure the final victory over the Alessians in the Glenumbria Moors, was the first person to occupy Castle Daggerfall. And it continues. In the first era, year 609, King Thagor of Daggerfall defeated an army at Glenpoint. This allowed Daggerfall to become the preeminent economic, cultural, and military force in southern High Rock, a position the kingdom has kept somewhat precariously ever since. In the first era, year 879, Daggerfall allied itself with the recently formed kingdom of Sentinel and the Order of Diagna to wage war against the kingdom of Asinium, the Orcs. During this war in the first era, here in 973, an army was led to Orsinium by King Joel. He, however, decided that this was a perfect opportunity to strike his temporal ally, Sentinel, unprepared. And what happens in the Battle of Bancori Pass in the Rothgarian Mountains, the king made unexpected resistance. His army was crushed by a band of maidens of the Serpent Blade. I'm sorry, the Spirit Blade. During this battle, he was killed by a Sekulavadse, Michaela Lecky. And with the fall of Orsinium, the river route to the bay was much more accessible. Thus, the tiny village of Wayrest would start to grow and eventually become the master of Illic Bay trade. Daggerfall's monopoly over the bay came to an end. During the late First Era, the population of Daggerfall would suffer heavy losses as a result of the Thracian Plague. Now, this is the slowed onslaught from the area of Thrust. Now, the slowed are, gosh, for lack of a better phrase, description, <laughs> uh, walking... Big, hulky, walking frogs, so to speak. Yeah, I was just about to say, like, big, like, weird reptile things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to describe them. If you're familiar with EverQuest 2, think of a frog lock, but, like, a couple of times bigger. Just huge monster things. <laughs> okay? Uh, they would fight the War of Righteousness, which was a rebellion against the theocracy of the Alessian Order, and the first Akaviri invasion. The second era, it was a tapestry of wars. Hmm. Insurrections and plagues. Daggerfall, Sentinel, and Wayrest would continue to expand and improve the military and economic positions in the bay. And during this time, Daggerfall and Wayrest would transpose positions as the major trading center of the bay. And Daggerfall and Sentinel, likewise, would bandy position over who was the superior military power at the time. And isn't this a lovely time to be playing Elder Scrolls Online? <laughs> Where everywhere, it's just war, insurrection, and plagues. The Third Era. Here... When the Nords performed the Book of Life in Third Era, year 401, this would suggest that Daggerfall's population had jumped to over 110,000. And this, without doubt, outnumbered its rivals, the cities of Sentinel and Wayrest. And it was also here during this time that Emperor Uriel Sitton VII would send his agent, the hero of Daggerfall, I wonder who that would be, to uncover the conspiracy behind King Lysanus' death and put his spirit back to rest. 
And that's Daggerfall in a nutshell. I hope you all enjoy it. And I want to say a big shout-out and a thank you to the Elder Scrolls Wiki for, again, providing such great information. I've condensed what I could, and hopefully you all enjoyed it. All right, Yeah, guys. and if I, if I... I'm sorry, Joe. Yeah, go ahead, um, if, if I may say so, Lou, this was probably one of my favorite lore segments that you've done. So, bravo. <laughs> thank you, sir. Thank you. It was funny. We were discussing the show earlier today and about how long it's going to be. And Lou's lore segment was like three to four times longer than this. <laughs> I was like, Lou, can you please cut it down? <laughs> so you all can blame me. Yes. Yes. Uh, apologies uh, go out you know, for for those who do listen if it is too long and you know who you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we did try and cut it down. <laughs> we did. <laughs> All right, Lou. Um, Five-star review shout-outs, buddy. All right. From the UK. Five-star man that has a top hat. I'm kidding. That's what it says. He's got a top hat. And he's probably singing in the rain, too. All right, guys. Final thoughts of the evening. Um, I really hope I get into beta. I can't wait to play this game again. Um, It just renewed my love of the game when we played on Sunday. And, yes, I have the shakes. And the uh, cold sweats from um, withdrawals. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. Uh, yeah, for those of you out there who are in the beta, congratulations. I uh, hope all of your, your hard work uh, brings about good information for the devs to make already uh, what I have seen to, to be an awesome MMO into an even more awesome MMO uh, for launch. Yeah, indeed. I mean, for those players out there, whether single player RPG players and MMO players who may be still on the fence or are scared all I can say is please keep up to date keep looking at the game, it's amazing, okay, and I'm not just saying that because I'm, you know, I'm plugging the game no, it's, you know, the devs are, have taken the time to actually put something together and I think there are going to be things there that everyone's going to like but then again, you know, whether or not you, you play it or not you know, at this po- at this point in time, give it a fair shake. Okay, it's really coming together. You know, coming well. You know, just look for it, and I think everyone's going to be pleasantly surprised. And Dave, um, you know, I completely agree with Lou, except on the fact, you know, y'all know how I am. I'm, I'm, uh, I don't really hold back that well, and I've, I'm gonna be honest about a game like this. They're not paying us to say what we're saying here we're speaking the truth and if the game sucked i'd be the first person on here and the loudest person saying man that game sucked it doesn't the game yeah. doesn't suck it's actually pretty decent and i have to play this sound I, effect oh yourself oh you know i went to pax i played at pax and now i'm getting the cold sweats and night terrors from not being able to play eso so, uh, I'm, I'm, oh my god. You know what? I don't want the beta. I want the damn game to release now. You know what? I'm kind of okay to wait for them to get the game right. Yeah, I, I know. But I'm still having the cold sweats and night's terrors. So I need it. Yeah, I know. I know. I, know, I, I sympathize, Dave. <laughs> After PAX East, they need to open up Elder Scrolls Anonymous. Yep. Shank. My dear fellow 
single player Elder Scrolls fans like myself, I'm speaking directly to you here. From everything we have seen and heard, this is an Elder Scrolls game. Be not afraid, fellow brethren, for this is the Elder Scrolls <laughs> games that we have been waiting for. Come join thine other brothers and sisters in <laughs> <laughs> and um, hopefully they can add parkour, and uh, that's about it. Shank, I just see you standing in front of a shrine of Talos, and, and he's like, "And I love you." You don't even understand. I'm sitting at my desk, <laughs> preaching to my computer. My arms are spread wide apart right now when I'm saying this. Oh my god! <laughs> awesome. Not as a god, but as a man. <laughs> yeah, we've all him one way too many times, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> all right you farwin how to reach us sure so if you want to reach all of our great episodes and all of our awesome breaking news up to the up to the minute news articles go to elder scrolls off the record.com uh check out questgamingnetwork.com that's our website for for our network and all of our various shows you can get to from questgamingnetwork.com if you'd like to email the show you can find us at elder scrolls off the record at gmail.com uh, if youtube is your thing you can check us out on two different youtube channels youtube.com forward slash elder scrolls otr and youtube.com quest gaming network the Elder Scrolls OTR will feature all of our various episodes, including recorded live streams from uh, those who who stream Elder Scrolls games. Shank is a, a big a big user of this feature on our network, and he does a great job with it. Uh, YouTube.com forward slash Quest Gaming Network features all of that and more from all of the various different uh, gaming projects that we've got going on in the network. You're going to find general gaming streamed and recorded uh, onto onto this channel, as well as awesome stuff from Minecraft. Uh, don't forget, $10 mentions is something that we support as a form of minor advertising. It works great for guilds. So those of you out there looking to build a guild, $10 mentions is a great way to get yourself shouted out on our show. Speaking of our show, where would you where can you listen? Well, you can find us on iTunes. Stitcher Radio, it's a great app if you're if you're using a smartphone other than other than an iPhone. Uh, Zune, gee whiz, that old thing. Sure, we're we're fully supported for uh, for Zune. And if none of that tickles your fancy, uh, we have an RSS feed that you can access on ElderScrollsOffTheRecord.com. You can uh, grab that up and drop it into your favorite podcast reader. Uh, we happen to recommend Podkicker or RSS Demon. You'll find that on the Google Play Store for you uh, Android lovers out there. Uh, don't forget our other shows. Minecraft, Off the Record, live. Sundays at 7 p.m. Joe does amazing things with Minecraft. Dave does amazing things with Minecraft. And you can find out all of their amazing things on Minecraft. On Minecraft, Off the Record. Uh, Minecraft, Off the Record, live. Sundays at 7 p.m. Sorry, I had a brain fart there. <laughs> Um, uh, more Minecraft than your normal Minecraft podcast. They actually talk about the game, but on bump. Yeah, shot right. That was a solid shot. Uh, it's, that, it's, it's, it's true. That's it the is sad true. part. It's true. Instead yeah. of playing instruments and talking to five year olds, they play the game and talk about it. <laughs> 
Twitter. If Twitter's your thing and you want to hang out with the guys on Twitter, Elder Scrolls OTR is our Twitter account for the show. Say hi to Joe at the widget, W-I-G-I-T. Hi. You can say hi. Hi. You can say hi to me, Evarwin, E-V-A-R-W-Y-N, at Evarwin. Uh, Lou, is that GamerGuy11B, G-A-M-E-R-G-U-Y-1-1-B? Shank, is that Shank the Tank? Really, that- dude? Huh? Oh, really? did, I- did I miss you, Dave? Did I skip over you? I see how it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> S-H-A-N-K-T-H-T-A-N-K. <laughs> leave, off, leave off the E for discounts on pumice stones. <laughs> No one else important is in a Dave is acting. <laughs> I can see the glare in my head right now. <laughs> you can reach Dave at D R E N Force at D N Force. Yeah, I, I. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I thought what we had wow. was special, Marwin, and this is the treatment you give me. It's not. That's. <laughs> That, that was his pillow talk for the weekend, Dave. <laughs> That's right. All right, guys. Elder Scrolls Off the Record is a Quest Gaming Network production in association with Miller Network. And I just want to say, Foos throughout you all next week. Take care, everyone. Be safe. May the Foos be with you. Good night, everyone. Glad you were all here. See you all again next week. <laughs> Later, y'all. Foos Rota. Shadow hide you, brethren. Who's all down? <laughs>